Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 49. This episode is a little bit different. Um, there is one person recording with me, uh, Daniel Staten, and we really just have a conversation that we've had before, uh, but trying to maybe formalize it a little bit. Um, the two of us have discussed in times past the option of planting a church together, and so we talk a little bit about that. Um, it does get kind of technical, kind of inside baseball. Uh, we talk about things like budget transparency and um, the responsibilities of elders in a church. So uh, if that is something that is interesting to you, then go ahead and give it a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Hello. How's it going? Less less uh, hellos this time. Yeah. Feels weird. It's just the two of us. Yeah. We're, uh, we can make it if we try. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So everyone has COVID. Apparently. So we're the the lone survive the two two duo survivor. How would you say that? The 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 remnant the remnant that has survived. Mm, I was gonna say revenant. Ooh. But I also don't really know what that word means. And I haven't finished that movie. Really? Is that a terrible thing to it's say? Good. I watched the bear part that everyone talked about, and I was like, that's cool. The end. Yep. And then he died. But he didn't die, right? <clears throat> that is correct. So today we're talking the movie about the movie 20 the minutes long. <laughs> they were breaking down minute by minute the movie The Revenant. Have you ever heard that podcast, The Star Wars Minute? No. So every so what they do on that podcast. Oh, they analyze a different minute of footage. A minute, so they they start they start the first minute <laughs> of like Phantom Menace, and so they'll be like talking. And oh, they start about, with Phantom Menace. Oh well, they do. They've sure. done all of them. They've done. I think even the new one they've they've done. Um, but they do a literally a minute. So they like they'll talk <clears> for. It's usually about like twenty to forty minutes, depending on what was in it, like yeah. the episodes. But they'll talk for a while about being like, okay, so the minute this of uh, Phantom Menace, there is the Lucasfilm. Uh, pops up on screen. Wow! And we're talking about that. They're gonna talk they for forty on. minutes about the logo, the it's Lucasfilm cre- logo. It's it's more entertaining than you think because they have guests on and they'll talk about other things. Like you know how like our. I was gonna say the the rough part is when you watch the first minute of episode two and you watch the logo again. Yeah. <laughs> and like so, let's rehash. Yeah, but the nice thing is, that, just like with our podcast, is it kind of goes branches into other topics that aren't necessarily related. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. What are you talking about? We are laser focused. Yeah, we're laser focused. David keeps us laser focused with his. I've got a question that's a hundred percent on topic. No, actually, last week he did really well. I um, love his questions last week. Yeah, I was wondering how we were gonna uh, have a bunch of useless banter at the beginning without David here. But then you yeah. said that thing about the Star Wars podcast, and I'm like, check. It's providential. <laughs> the Lord provides <clears throat> useless banter. Uh not sponsored do. by the Star Wars Minute podcast. Yeah. They don't re- return my calls. They don't. So I'd be interested if they had a call in. <clears throat> I hope that's not a... Uh, I think that's a family-friendly podcast. I would hate to like, say that on here and then people go check it out. i like, what? It's just the F word <laughs> over and time. over for 90 minutes. <laughs> and then they, have to finish, they finish it by saying Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, so... We have talked... In ages past, mm-hmm. no, we've only known each other for like a year and was that a, a few months, huh? Was that a Hebrews reference? 
long ago. In many ages past. In various times. Uh, <clears throat> no, we've talked in, in the past, uh, you and I, about the prospect of planting a church. And uh, we've even had that conversation a little bit more seriously with another friend of ours um, who was also um, interested in it. Um, we went out to Denny's that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, night. <clears throat> he is definitely, of the three of us, he was definitely the most theologically other. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say, you know, anything disparaging about him. Great man. Mm-hmm. Uh, really admire him and his family and his ministry mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things. But, um, you know, it's something that we've talked about before. And so I figured since it's us two amigos, we could talk about it again. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, question one. Does Central Florida need more churches? Because I know we have yeah. different... And this is not like a, we're definitely doing this. This is just no, us no, no, playing no. around with the idea. And I think this is a, a good topic to just talk about, even in the abstract. It's yeah. good to, like, cast vision uh, ahead of time, <clears throat> even if it's, like, years down the road. Even if it's not us planting a church, but us being part of church planters. Because I do think that there is a need, regardless of partnership in ministry mm. um of ministers partnering like cross uh, other churches partnering um up to help each other and to do those re um, pull those resources I, um, I cannot hear the word vision caster without thinking of a dream catcher really correct yeah i think <clears throat> i think of fishing but you're throwing a vision board into a lake oh okay yeah that makes um sense. the short answer i feel like that pops into my head right away to that question is i don't think central florida needs more churches i think central florida needs better churches more good churches yeah yeah and i think the way to get better churches it's going to be easily as done probably via planting revitalization is tough work yeah um i heard a pastor say it's easier to give birth than raise the dead i think so and i think also even just uh trying to like go in as a staff member to change a church's culture within within the i mean even if you're uh the lead pastor, that's tough to convince yeah, the staff. Yeah, exactly. Because um, they're like, is why it, the is... Rule, the know. rule is like, once you're hired, do not try to change yeah. anything for five years. Yeah. Like, the first five years of you being there is just you proving to the congregation that you're solid, mm-hmm. dependable, you know. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think the way a lot of people are going to think about things is it's been working, we've been doing it, we've been having great community, so why is there problems with it? And also, even if it hasn't been working, it's like, this is what we're used to. I yeah. think of the, the church that I grew up in, <clears throat> and uh, man, I'm glad no one associated with that uh, listens. Well, not mm. I guess not no one. But, um, so it was very, you know, old school fundamentalist, and even back when I w- would have considered myself a fundamentalist, and when mm. I would have said, oh, you know, I don't know if I'd say the King James is the only Bible, but I do believe it's the best translation. Um, and when I would have sided with them on most things, it's like I watched that church kind of fall apart. And there's an episode of, I think it's Futurama, maybe it's The Simpsons, where <clears throat> so it's like there there's this really hectic, mm-hmm. crazy situation going on, and a guy goes, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> and I just, like, I literally think of that line... Mm when I think of the church that mm-hmm. I grew up in, because it's like, we didn't do anything to like differently. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't try to change anything except mm-hmm. for maybe the most minute small, like, Oh, now on Sundays, 
Like we have mm-hmm. a projector and the, the sermon outline is also up on the screen instead of just being, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you would take your own notes. And it's like, other than that, I do not think a lot changed structurally about the church. And there are people who take a lot of pride in that by saying like, well, you know, we don't change because, you know, we're doing the the right thing yeah. and the right methods. And so we don't need to change. And I, I thought, I think there's a lot of pride in that. Um, but yeah, so to go to a church that's married to their ideas and they think, oh yeah, of course we're shrinking because that's what faithful churches do is they mm. shrink because the remnant just becomes more or the revenant yeah. uh, becomes more revenant over the years. That is a, that is some, <clears throat> a, a difficulty you get, especially when you're looking at revitalizing of there's a mindset of we are the faithful few who stuck by yeah. and haven't given there's up. There's a pride. Yeah. And there's also the other tough side of the coin is it also tends to be the people who are most dysfunctional or um, uh, have kind of personality flaws or the most stubborn to change and all those things mm. tend to stick around the longest. Yeah. Just because oh, of yeah. those personalities. And it's because they have like an ownership in yeah. it. Yeah. Like, man, I think of a church. I did some fill-in preaching for a church, and then uh, one of my friends actually wound up getting called to be the pastor of this church, and it's like, there was one couple, it was a deacon and his wife, Mm -hmm. as it typically is, speaking as a deacon's son, Mm -hmm. I don't think my dad is like this, but there was one couple, and it was like, basically, we are really going to have to wait for this couple to die before we can Mm -hmm. really do anything, Mm -hmm. and uh, they, you know, they were big givers, they had a lot of clout, as far as they were, you know, mm-hmm. I think one of the founding families of the church. And, uh, man, I feel like people full of hate live forever. <laughs> like, they yeah. lived into their 90s. And, and my friend mm-hmm. was, I think my friend wasn't even at the church at the mm-hmm. point when they when they passed away because they lived so much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's like, you know, you're thinking, oh, they're really old, like, smoked so much. They just look mm-hmm. like they're on death's door. Yeah. And so you're not you're obviously not hoping that no. anything bad happens, but it's like, okay, we probably have another three to five years mm. to wait out this storm, and then we can start making some progress. And boy, it's just like it mm. took a while. Um, mm. But anyway, yeah. So it's not necessarily a number issue. It is it's a quality issue. Absolutely. I will say, um, when and I, I was talking to one of our pastors the other day of like. If someone comes to our church and they're like, maybe they're not super from the area or they don't live super close and they ask for another church that's kind of, you know, maybe more toward Kissimmee or more toward Lakeland or whatever. Are there other churches that you think are solid and, you know, in their theology, in their practice that you point them to? And he mentioned, our pastor mentioned like maybe two that are up more Mm. toward Orlando. Mm -hmm. And it's like... You know, we're more east of where our church is, or I am, I live, rather, uh, more east of where our church is in the more old school parts of Kissimmee. And I'm just like, I look around and there's nothing, Yeah, you know? <clears> hmm. <throat> so... And that's kind of unfortunate, because, again, it's not... It doesn't seem like it would be too difficult to be a... I mean, there's a lot of difficulties in ministry, but it would be too difficult to be a, a good... Uh, strong theologically rich church I, I it surprises me how quickly um ministers fold on that yeah and i seem it seems to be like the purely for the sake of getting the numbers up 
Yeah. Or doing like really seeker sensitive things or just having a bad perspective of what success looks like in ministry. Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's really the only thing I can think of from what I've uh, observed from the few ministers I've talked to that kind of have that perspective of, it just seems to be so driven on how quickly I can grow my church, um, how I can keep growing my church. Mm -hmm. And that is the line of success. And I think that's a bad place to start from. If you're drawing that success looks like, winning people over or getting people mm. to attend or getting people, you know, like putting that as, uh, as the yeah. method. Cause I, I, I don't, I, I think the other thing that blows my mind too, is that they tend to ditch talking about sin and wrath. Mm. But to me, it's baffling because, uh, we, you know, we talk at our church, we talk about the four realities, which again, the people here um, it's called packaged in a lot of different ways of the Bible story of creation, fall, <clears throat> um, gospel and, um, restoration. And I was teaching about that the other, uh, um, last week. And I, I personally think the easiest thing for all people without special revelation to, to understand, if you're, if you're explaining these four realities, I personally think the easiest thing for them to grab and, and, and cling to and be like, I get that. I see that that's true. Mm. Isn't even creation for me. It's the fall. Yeah. I think the it's so easy things. for people yeah. to be like, oh, of course there's evil out there. Of You're saying that people are wicked? Absolutely. You're saying that people need to be punished? Totally. Especially in our world today. Uh injustice is like the the buzzword mm. so people are connecting with that everywhere so it seems weird to to throw that away because mm. that seems like what would grip people the most oh yeah. yeah and i think i feel like it's interesting that our our culture now seems to be like they're pointing out churches and calling them out based on how they're not calling mm. out injustice yeah. so that's kind of an interesting thing that that's turned on churches that have ditched teaching on wrath yeah and i know there definitely you know caveat there definitely is ways that you can do it impulsively <clears throat> or if you focus mm-hmm. only on wrath or if it's all about um legalistic ways of doing that but i do yeah. think uh there's a huge peril is when you start to underplay wrath and sin um for a couple of reasons one you know you're not active accurately depicting god but the other is people connect with that mm-hmm. people we all want an answer to what's going on why is there um, suffering yeah injustice yeah 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 injustice is definitely a huge buzzword and it's like mm. i i feel like there is such a great way to respond to that from mm. the christian worldview that like <clears throat> that the only the only caveat that i see is like there's there are such staunch camps already mm. um in place of mm. like oh the problem is you know this and so you know the democrats would give this answer and then you know a lot of republicans would say like oh it's all overblown like it's not even really that big of an issue Mm -hmm. and it's like people want to believe one of those things that are Mm -hmm. already prepackaged and Mm -hmm. available for them so it's Mm -hmm. like okay well i don't i don't necessarily need um you know your version of the answer because Mm -hmm. i already have my yeah Mm -hmm. conclusions Mm -hmm. which is not healthy Mm -hmm. but Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the world is, is looking for something. I think they're, um, like you were saying, the, the fall is more evident than, <clears throat> like, it, it's easier to argue for that than it is to argue for theism, let's yeah. say. But I also think that when it comes to church planting and when it comes to, like, we're teaching a, apologetics in our mm-hmm. youth group, it's like most of the people that you're going to engage with, they're not philosophers they're not like they're not apologists or evangelicals for their worldview they're just like a person who 
lives and has a job and mm-hmm. you know goes about their life and they hold these views and so you know they don't they're they're not necessarily expecting to think that deeply about whatever the issue is mm. um so you got a leg up if you have a developed world view mm-hmm. um i will say i <clears throat> as far as structure is concerned so i've had i've actually had a couple people tell me no one that goes to our church um but tell me like look if you ever start a church let us know um mm. because we would be interested in mm-hmm. uh joining mm. and you know kind of helping out with all that and uh that's been very encouraging Mm -hmm. to hear something like that um but as far as the the practical aspect of it um i think that especially if if you're gonna plant i think that winter and in a public space like a lakefront is a great way to do it that's kind of how we did our saint cloud Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. campus is that we i think they originally met at the elementary school and they were mm-hmm. there, and then COVID, and they weren't allowed mm-hmm. to meet there anymore, um, which I'm, it probably is harder to plant with COVID uh, being a thing and different restricted access to certain mm-hmm. areas. But um, planted there, wound up getting kicked out of there, tried to go somewhere else, got kicked out of there. Mm-hmm. And then it's like they would just set up stuff at the lakefront. And I think mm-hmm. especially during the winter, it's so lovely out yeah. that you can go out there and just meet mm-hmm. and start preaching. And if you have... Even if you just start out as like a Bible study with you and a dozen people and then just kind of grow up from there. Um, mm-hmm. I remember talking about this even when I was in kind of in college. Uh, a guy, I, I went to really small churches and this guy went to a very large Southern Baptist church. And he said, um, ideally, you'd have the kind of clout with your pastor that if you told him we want to plant the pastor would, you know, obviously mm-hmm. pray, talk to the elders, and then make an announcement to the people saying, hey, you know, Travis or Daniel is wanting to plant, and we've seen them minister, and they have a track record of faithfulness, and mm-hmm. so if you live out that way, we encourage you to, like, you know, join in with these mm-hmm. guys, and um, and I was so, that was so other for me, because I was used to kind of being really stingy or selfish with your people it's like no don't leave us like we're we're 40 people strong on a sunday morning and and you know we'll really feel it if Mm. if that breaks Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah Hmm. yeah that's i think that's the hard hard thing is is having to say goodbye to people that's a tough part about planting but we see that in the new testament where they sent they sent out leaders and they had to they had to part and you know like paul himself was like i would desire to be with you guys yeah and i want to see you face to face but this is all i can do um so there is there is often sacrifices that come mm. with it um, when it's like one day we will be yeah but yeah it is really hard that's that's one of my main reasons for not wanting to plant is because like mm-hmm. our lives mine and nicole's our lives are so knit mm-hmm. together with so many people mm. but So that's question one. On, does Orlando <laughs> need more churches? I think they definitely need. They're definitely going to be quality. I feel like I hear too many stories of people saying that our church was like the last on their list of ten. And yeah. They're driving quite a ways out. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, man. People drive from Lakeland. Yeah. Saint Cloud. Lake I just, Nona. I feel like it. It would be a lot easier to do <clears throat> community 
when they're when you're able to be like you can just drive right over to mm-hmm. someone's house like you're not having yeah. to make it a big trip to get across town to go see them but you can yeah and you can be there for them but i gotta drop the hat i feel like that's a, an easier way to form community you know mm. i think i feel like we even have people that come out don't doesn't some live out in titusville like, oh wow away, that would be away, crazy though. far isn't that where the syracuse lives I don't think so. I thought I heard that they lived out that way. Like the guy who does the sound? Yeah. Maybe. I didn't I didn't think no, they they used to live in celebration. Maybe they've moved. That's what I, I thought I heard. Uh, huh. Because I'm like that that, that would be, be really a depressing. Very long drive. Because <laughs> it's like look, you're telling me there's not and, and also they've been there forever. Like they've been there That's longer the than Pastor thing, Greg has. Is when yeah. you're, like you've been there for a long time and you're really attached. But it's also like the thing of like you're yeah. living that far out. Huh. But then again, Lakelands, I feel like, is just as far right. Uh, no. If, depending on traffic, like, okay. I-4 will take you there in maybe 30 minutes. Oh, okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, I think that's how long Ricardo says it takes him. But yeah, I feel like that's, um, a, I feel like that's a big piece is that is we don't want to be, like, we, we want to build up and have a healthy body where we can do more. Like, we talk about mm-hmm. pooling resources and the amount of volunteers we can have, and that's really great. But at the same time, we don't want to be just hoarding everybody we can. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be generous and be like well it might be able to be a better servant community there and better be able to grow because mm. you don't you never know if there's maybe someone who's like i'm going to go to this church it's not as great because you know 35 40 minutes you know on the morning of sunday and i've got kids so mm. we'll just go to this church that is not preaching heresy <clears throat> but is not really that theologically robust i could see people a couple of minutes making that so that's, that's why for me it's like that might serve and grow and bring people out of the woodwork we don't even know about right now mm. we know about the ones we see we don't know about the ones that are underneath the surface or that might have quit searching out of depression over these churches mm, are all yeah. not great. Yeah. Um, another ch- question is just, and I already kind of talked a little bit about it, but like what would it look like mm-hmm. um, in the beginning stages and how would you want it to grow? So I talked about like a Bible study at the lakefront. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you, if you were planning a church and you got your, your druthers, mm-hmm. do you ever say that? I've heard I know you're kind of a southerner. Not really. Yeah. Um, I'm a. You lived in Kentucky for a little while. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, most of my family background for southern is like the north. Part but you know of the what south. that means? Oh yeah. Brothers, like, oh I'd yeah. rather do this. I'd but rather it's not do wasn't that. super yeah. common. But yeah, so if you if you had your, uh, you know, pick, what what would you want a service to look like? What would you mm. want, um, the the gathering to look like? Even even throughout the week, you know, and yeah. times all that kind of stuff. For the service, personally, and I know this is tough for some people because uh, they already feel like it's services are a long time. I think a longer format service is actually better. Mm. And I think people adapt to it better than you think. Because mm. mm-hmm. I don't think we realize how how quick that can go and for, uh, how quick a service can go. And we're being like, oh, I just feel like there's more. If it's more good. To- yeah. Yeah. The thing I feel like most people, they're thinking if they're church service lasted an extra 45 minutes it really would be a, a bore yeah you know and i think and i think that's sad like I, yeah. i've asked my students like how many of you guys really like your church mm-hmm. and i know some of them don't even go but man it's like me and one other student that were like i love my church mm-hmm. and i hate that that's not more people's experience yeah and i think so. it i think if like, the things i would add into are a little bit more interactive so it's i think a little helpful because uh what i what i feel like people who were saying that the church service already seems a little bit too long mm. is because they're just kind of sitting there. Mm-hmm. They're not, and it's not really as engaging. 
mm-hmm. as uh, <clears throat> some of the liturgical rhythms that kind of incorporate mm. more um, involvement in the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love to have the prayers as a part of the service. Mm. So more than just like a pastoral prayer, you would have like a pastoral prayer, a confessional mm-hmm. thanks prayer, a prayer mm-hmm. of thanksgiving, a prayer uh, as we enter the word. <clears throat> So there's the prayers. I like having that as a structure. Mm. Um, I like having um, creed recitations. Mm. That's something that you would are incorporating the whole body in. Lots of songs sprinkled throughout that I think mm. engages people a lot more um, too. So that's what I'm saying. Like there's more than just oh I got to sit and listen to a very 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 long winded sermon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have all of that. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would want to put in. Um, communion taking a little bit longer in communion Mm. um, which I think people would adapt to pretty well uh, because I think we can tend to speed through that very very quickly Mm -hmm. Um, taking a little bit longer on doing communion Um, so those are the I think the main things that I would want to do in a church service it could be a little bit longer Uh, even I think it's a fun idea to have uh, like that call it an intermission but more of just like a little fellowship time because some people are so apt to just leave right away yeah. And so to have a little longer Yeah, term. that that's the that's the thing that I would want to deal with is the fact that so many people like they hear the amen and then and they're, they're like okay, I got to get out before traffic, yeah. you know, in the parking lot gets bad. Um even working connections at our church, there are people who as soon as they communion's take communion done, they're, they're out. out. Yeah. And we and for a <clears throat> who is not familiar with our, our church, we do two songs and a benediction after communion. So yeah. there's still like a good five to seven minutes of church left and they're yeah. running out after communion's done. To beat the traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's like, why... I want people... My my thing is I feel like I'm always sad that I don't get to spend more time with people afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of every Sunday having food afterwards. Because yeah. I feel like that's something that the early church did. I think mm-hmm. it, it slows you down. You're not in a rush to leave because like, oh, yeah, the food is here, you know, mm-hmm. or, or like we're all going to go out and like pick stuff up from X, mm-hmm. Y and Z place and bring it back. And then and then I'll eat or we packed our lunch or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, I've I've said to people before, I would love to have a, a service. I mean, I would call the ga- the thing that I would call the gathering might be like three hours. Mm-hmm. But basically, like it's you start with um kind of like prayer meditation song and just kind of like gearing yourselves into uh, a heart of being able to encounter the word um some of those specific prayers like you had said prayers Mm -hmm. of adoration and confession um Mm -hmm. then the the word is really uh i don't want to say more like a devotion but it would be something that's maybe like you know 20 25 minutes um and it's rich and dense and like getting into mm-hmm. um like a good bit of theology mm-hmm. uh which i know is hard to do a lot of in 25 minutes but i do, I do think it's possible mm-hmm. um and then uh communion maybe even breaking into to groups to pray for each other mm-hmm. um getting all back together prayer mm-hmm. prayers of response um mm-hmm. like benediction uh after that doing some roundtable Q&A of, like, application. Like, mm-hmm. how, do, how can we apply this? How should we, uh, you know, throughout this week, how, what are ways that we can, mm-hmm. uh, that we should be, that this should affect our lives, that this mm-hmm. theology should touch our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, just kind of talking through some of that. Or maybe that would be 
before the mm-hmm. you know group prayer time then the group prayer time and then we would all eat you yeah. know and so from <clears throat> from like opening song number one or whatever it is that we're doing to kick it off to the time when like all the chairs are put away and like everyone's finished mm-hmm. eating and and saying their goodbyes like maybe three hours but there's a lot of community happening yeah you know um, but i like i feel like we're so focused on such a short service mm-hmm. the show yeah i think we're focused on the show the show has yeah. to go off without a hitch everything that's happening on the stage that's the important stuff that's happening on a sunday morning and it's like look i want to give absolute precedence to the word I want to I want it mm-hmm. to be clear that like I do find mm-hmm. I do understand that to be the most central thing that we're doing mm-hmm. but are our people sticking around and connecting and building um a a sense mm-hmm. of belonging community uh mm-hmm. you know one like living out the one another commands or are they coming sitting down watching what's happening maybe singing maybe not taking the the elements at communion and then dipping out Mm. and it's like that's not like i Mm -hmm. uh i heard a pastor say in a sermon recently he's talking to his congregation he goes he's talking about hospitality and he says you know most of you here don't know most of you here Mm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing you know Mm -hmm. it's a a pretty sizable congregation but it's Mm -hmm. like look um try to get to know a little bit about someone that you don't know Mm -hmm. maybe go so far as to invite them over to your house Mm. you know for for lunch this afternoon and i think that conscious calls to hospitality like that are well conscious calls to a lot of things um i feel are lacking in in Mm. most church environments and i would say i would even want them to be more present in our church Mm -hmm. um yeah the embodiment of faith like that we're we're called to do something yeah um and we're called we're we're owed each other something Mm -hmm. um yeah i like that i like that format i feel like you could and you could easily like break it up so it's a little bit more easy for them to understand so they're saying one chunk and like this is our um meal time this is Mm -hmm. our uh kind of service hours like and then our prayer meeting or our um, even having like a class or something Mm -hmm. one of those slots we i think we we be phenomenal yeah and a a class and a prayer breakfast before i think is great and now you just stretch it out to four hours and to me like four hours is like, I would love to just be with God's people yeah. for four hours on a Sunday. And part of that comes from the fact that my existing experience of church is really exciting and engaging. And, and yeah. I love it. And I don't want to say goodbye as a lot of times I feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do get that it's a barrier of entry where people would be like, whoa, what time? And I think that having it broken up like that, yeah. if you invited them to the yeah. core, like central part of the service, mm-hmm. like that might be an hour. You know, yeah, the, exactly. the singing, devotional, um, songs of response, communion, like that might be an hour, mm-hmm. whereas you're doing a lot of the what a church does um, outside of that, mm-hmm. you know? I think the tough, the toughest part for me, though, is uh, like having all of my preaching mentors being very Puritan-inspired guys. <laughs> 25 minutes is a very, very short time to put a sermon together, because I feel like the longest sermon I've sat through, and it was wonderful, was an hour. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm like, you can, and if you, so it's basically like, I, I feel like I wouldn't worry as much about sermon length because it's, this the you can have a short sermon for you, you have a good short, short sermon go long, yeah. and it feels like it's like you're not done yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that would be the only thing for me. It's like ah, 
I've done sermons in 25 minutes and 26 mm-hmm. minutes. I'm like, I think you could, I think you can do that well, but having that flexibility being like, uh, 45 is a, is a good time Yeah. to get into the word. I, I agree. I'll also say it has a lot to do with the gift of speaking that mm-hmm. God gives someone. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like many people have that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I yeah, I've listened I've listened not in person, but I've listened online to sermons that are like an hour and twenty minutes mm-hmm. and I'm like enthralled and challenged mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you know, just breaking and, and at the same time being built up and, mm-hmm. and like a lot of wonderful things that are going on. Um I don't know if that's like sustainable, an hour and twenty minutes. I I think no, forty five I mean, minutes is is sustainable. Um And that wasn't a habit of the person that I heard. Like that that was a that was a very rare occasion. But usually around like 40, 40 or forty five is what yeah. we've hit. That's most of my sermons have been around forty minutes. Yeah, we'll um, have to get a whiteboard in here one day and actually yeah. sketch it out. Of like, okay, so we show up at eight. Yeah, like I'm bringing coffee and we just you know sit around, talk, catch up, mm-hmm. move into a time of prayer, prayer mm-hmm. for each other. What do you got going on this week? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do a, a theology class where it's like, hey, mm-hmm. uh, those of you who are part of our you know learning biblical hebrew like you're gonna stick over here in this pavilion those mm-hmm. of you who are wanting to do you know new testament surveys over yeah. there in that pavilion and just kind of breaking off coming back together also finding spaces that are readily available for that's, this type of stuff might be hard but i heard um boy don't kill me for for starting a sentence like this jehovah's witnesses um there will be three different churches or congregations that all operate out of one building and the way that they do it is um, one church will get Monday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Another will get um, Tuesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. The other one will get Wednesday, Saturday. And then on Sunday, you'll have the morning church, the afternoon church, and the awesome. evening church. Smart way of doing things. And so it's like your building costs are cut yeah. way, way down. And like yeah. everybody's responsible for their own cleanup and their own events and everything so like that. The he- like one of the heaviest features of planting is like getting a place. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the bigger stressors. Yeah, I mean, I like the layout. I like the layout already because, again, I feel like the big concern would be like, oh, can we? Is that a big ask? People can, will people want to do that, or will people come out? I mm. think they will, but I think the way you start that that could easily be integrated is like, let's say us as the pastors are saying we're coming here at eight a in the morning. We're jump with coffee. Mm-hmm. We'll bring bagels. Yeah. And we are going to be praying for each other and everybody is invited who wants to show up. Yeah. And so if no one shows up, you know, the pastoral staff is praying for each other yeah. and praying for yeah. the church. That's a great thing. And then I feel like you attract people that way. They're like, hey, oh, yeah, I kind of want to go because the pastors are showing up. And that's something that, like you know? as far as inspiration, like I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a word that can be kind of cheesy, but I think it really does have a place in, in mm-hmm. developing stuff like, like a culture like this is one that you're not asking people to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Like, mm-hmm. like, okay, I need you to bear this burden, but it's not something that I'm doing. And then the other thing is like, it's not a burden to me. Like I show up mm-hmm. and I'm praying for my, you know, brother or sister mm-hmm. in Christ. And like, it's encouraging to mm-hmm. me. It's encouraging. It's what they need. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you don't show up, like, I'm not going to guilt trip you into like, mm-hmm. Oh, you really need to be here for this first 45 minutes because of, no, it's like we're, even if it's just the pastors doing this for each other, we're so blessed by this. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking hard about like what's going to happen in the day ahead. And 
and you know the lives that we need to be mm-hmm. touching and and individuals mm-hmm. that we need to be reaching out to mm-hmm. um so yeah, yeah. Uh, you know we, Man. we might stretch this thing out into like six hours by the time we're done maybe but i feel like the <laughs> i feel like the amount of energy ex- expent will be less because oh, yeah because i'm just thinking about how it's not amazing like a huge i've never been curriculum to... program thing it's just I'm just, Show up, pray. I, as I'm like developing this thought in my mind, I'm like, I've never been to a church where the elders say, this is open hour for the elders. Come and ask questions. You have burdens. Yeah. Usually it's like you, their elders are there on a Sunday morning. You know who they are and you can come and ask yeah. to pray with them. In between the services really quick, you've got, you know, 10, 10 minutes to ask them something while other people are running mm. around saying hi. Or, yeah, that's like, a good point. To say people that, would love that. Yeah, to say that this is every single week the elders are in this room and it's the el- and it's called like you know call the prayer hour but it's you can bring concerns or prayer requests or mm-hmm. if you have a question or anything like that like you can bring this and the elders are here for yeah. however long um i think that's amazing open access to the elders where it's scheduled yeah say we're all here and we're we're willing to talk or if you you know if you've got a bible question yeah that you want to come we've, up we've talked before about doing like an elder q and a yeah and i would love to do that and people will say oh yeah but like when are we going to schedule it and everything mm-hmm. And I'd say the most successful times that we've done it, I can think of two that we've done before, not necessarily elder Q&As, but like just Q&As, mm-hmm. um, were, is basically Sunday right after service. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, look, the people are already there. And yeah. I get that asking people to come a different day of the week is a big ask. But if, if people are already there, yeah, I think that's a huge advantage. Like we're, um, you know, not... Well, actually, a week from tonight, so we won't be having a, mm-hmm. a podcast, I guess, tonight, uh, next mm-hmm. week. But uh, or we'll have to do a different a different day. Mm-hmm. But um, we have an, a leadership mm-hmm. gathering, mm-hmm. and it's like a dinner, or whatever. And to me, I've felt underwhelmed every time I've been to one of those in the past, just mm-hmm. because I I don't you know it's nice to see people, it's it nice is. to to shake hands. It, honestly, it feels like what we're talking about now, where it's like, yeah. oh, it'd be great if. You know, Sunday morning was just longer, so you could connect with these people yeah. and say, like, how's your ministry doing? Mm-hmm. How's it, you know? So there is, there is a good amount of that happening. But to me, I'm like, why would you not just do that, like, a luncheon after Sunday? Everybody's mm. already there, man. <laughs> like, like it's it's such a no-brainer to me. Like, why are you going to say, hey, uh, you have a different day of the week that, like, I know you actually already started your work week and you're tired from your first day mm-hmm. at work, but I need you to drive out here all over again, even though you were just here yesterday. Yeah. And, t- and it's like, okay, I get, you know, you should be willing to ask for certain mm-hmm. sacrifices from your people. But it's like, we were, why, why didn't you just do this the last yeah. time we were there? And I feel so. like having it informal as well is good instead of being like, so ha- like yeah. having that time oh, yeah. instead of being like, you know, oh, this is a Q&A about the sermon series, which I think those things are really great. And I like that independently, but I think it's a really cool idea to have where it's, you know, you can bring like, hey, I've got a marriage, marriage issue that I yeah. need to talk about, or I got something that's weighing on my heart and it can be informal so they can just pull aside yeah. and have that time to talk. I think that's a, that's a really great idea that lends to um, the shepherding role that elders are called to very, very well mm. for the way that our society works. Because mm. I think people could show up a little bit early. I think people who are especially are burdened and want to talk to someone, and we're saying, here, we're sitting here ready to talk. Let's go. Uh, yeah. We got, you know, I mean, it'd be really easy to just get some, like, breakfasty things or fruit out oh, or yeah. something like that, some coffee. I think that would be an amazing, amazing thing. It's very easy 
for the elders to do. Yeah. So you're usually yeah. already there anyway. Part, part of me is like, I, I feel like a big pushback would be, oh, you know, all the time that it would take to, um, you know, organize all of this. And it's like, no, most mm. of the stuff that we're talking about, it's really one. It's like roundtables. You know, we already do roundtables and I do zero prep work for that. You know, I, I study the word just in general, but that's something I would be doing anyway. And then kids show up with their own questions. And even when it's slow to start, we're always short on time. We're never short on material. We're mm -hmm. always short on time. And you could do that week after week after week without having to prep like a lesson. And then the other thing that comes to mind is like, um, uh, I was actually just looking at this recently. Um, like the John and Charles Wesley, the holy clubs that they started. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And every week they would just ask each other the same 22 questions. Mm. And it was questions like, are you enjoying prayer? Mm. Are you um, like, are you giving yourself time uh, so that when you read the word, it's able to work on you? Mm. You know, not like, mm. did you read your Bible yeah. yesterday? But like, did you give, did you, yeah. did you space out enough time dedicated to the word that you were able to read it and meditate on it and have it work on you. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, questions obviously like, you know, do you find yourself, one of the weird ones is like, do you find yourself a slave to dress? And it's like mm. your appearance basically, yeah. like, you know, a slave to Outward dressing appearance. in such a way yeah. that other people would think that it's mm. attractive or cool or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, asking about different sin habits, asking mm -hmm. about um, your relationships really with people, making sure that you're not holding grudges. And it's like, I feel like if I had that list, and I think our, our pastors have a similar list of like accountability questions that they mm -hmm. encourage people to go through, just, you know, really mm -hmm. general, could apply to anyone. Mm -hmm. I think you could take those two lists and maybe add some more and like edit it down to maybe, maybe like 20 questions total because mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of overlap. And if you had a group of five people meeting, you could, you could fill two hours with those questions oh, every week and people mm -hmm. would not be bored yeah you know? i don't think so not with a good not with good questions yeah and that's five mm. people yeah you know so um mm. you know if you have yeah. if you have and a I, church i know that you couldn't necessarily do that with yeah. 30 people but still like encouraging people to have that as their mm -hmm. as their life group yeah. format yeah and i feel like a small group format. i think a lot of these ideas are really really great um there's always a danger, you know, when, when you're like excited about like getting an intentional community of like being like, okay, where are we going to stand at one where we do the absolute most and require mm -hmm, the most. Mm -hmm. And, but I think some of these ideas are good because it's like, these are easy ass that I think people would want to come to. Yeah. yeah. Um, because you're, you're, and it's more of, it's less about like, you know, saying to, saying to your congregation, you have to show up or you have to be here. It's more of like, this is something that we're opening for you, for your sake, for your good, if you want to use it mm -hmm. and not have, and have like, and have that open elder time of like no obligation, but, if, but we're here to pray for you. I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. And again, like you were saying about, it's not that hard to pull off because the elders should be ready for this. Um, and then the, you get good deacons, mm. they can set everything up. They can get the, you know, coffee there. They can um, help out there. You get, you get that good structure. I feel like it's not, that's not a crazy thing to do because, I mean, you really just have to show up and be part of it. I think it it makes me think of something else, and this might be going off of, away from Sunday service a little bit. So if I'm off topic, um, you know, that's never, never happened on this no, podcast yeah, to go, go off topic. Because the but, church is not just a Sunday gathering. That's right. But I think one thing that I would definitely want to incorporate when we were talking about, like, having that elder, open elder time for people to come forward and pray for each other is to have a, a very 
organized, scheduled way of praying for the congregation. Um, um, I'm sure that you know a lot of churches do this, and um, I'm not. Sure, I don't know if our our church does or not. I know that they pray for other people, but like I think it would be a good practice for the uh, elders of the church to be expected that we divvy out the people of the mm. church so that everyone is being prayed yeah. for. Every member. Yeah, that's every something member, that we talked about at Denny's. Yeah. That one time is like having elders responsible specifically for, for families mm-hmm. and and meeting with them every. Yeah. Like at least once every I think once, two or three weeks. I was gonna I was gonna say even uh just as a start being saying like because depending on how big your church gets. If it's a small church mm-hmm. like that is easy to do for that. But if like if the church gets big, even just having it in the, you know, statements of like the expectation of an elder of um having met with them at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Like if you I mean if you think about a church of, you know, five hundred people, that's not a terrible ask. Yeah, an elder to be able to have at least met. Well, also when you consider the fact, I mean, I'm with you in the fact that I think that most churches should have more elders than they have. Yeah, you know, and I get that it becomes a whole thing when your bylaws say that elders are also, you know, they vote on different ways that you might control the funds and yeah. everything like that. But to me, that's almost a different um, question. And mm-hmm. an elder is someone like you're saying that that goes around shepherds checks yeah. up. Um, this and I, I wouldn't say once a year, I'd probably say like once a quarter, you yeah. know? So it's like, if, oh, yeah. if you're an elder and you have, let's say you have, um, uh, eight families that you're, um, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're their you're point of contact, you're praying, you're praying for, for you're regularly. checking up on them. You know, I, I, I get that that does kind of become a big ask, but I think that it's one that's worth making where it's like, look, you know, every every quarter, so that's, what, 12, 13 weeks, you've either had them over for dinner or gone over to their place yeah. for dinner or gone out for dinner. That's right, you know? yeah. That's, and and um, that's a fun thing. Like, it's yeah, not exactly. a big ask because it's like, you're you're not like, oh, this is a serious, like, medical checkup. You're like, you're having life with them. If yeah. You're, you're chatting with them. That's good. Um, I will say, though, that I do understand the desire not maybe not necessarily for elders i think you you have every right to expect more of an elder but it does become a big ask when you get to where like your church is want is asking maybe a total of like eight hours of volunteer time from a member it's like you got to keep a an eye on that where you're not asking one person for too much work and it's like oh but this work has to get done yeah exactly it's like oh well you know i'm i go to missions on Monday and then I help with the youth on uh, mm-hmm. Wednesday and then I'm there early on Sunday to help set up and do greeting and blah 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 and it's like okay s- some people might be able to do that but don't like you said don't be expectant like okay mm-hmm. hey you're you're with us right so mm-hmm. therefore you owe us or this even of work or that. even just like when making plans being like oh yeah yeah we can get volunteers for that like yeah we'll, we, we can pull these people they're really faithful we can pull these people in like, really think through before you make a program. And especially when, like you were saying earlier, people don't live five minutes from the yeah. church. People live 40 minutes from the church. Yeah. And so you got to put that on their schedule early That's before, true. you know, before the event. Yeah. I think so. something that I want to just throw up, maybe it's me being, like, really idealistic or uh, hyper, maybe too, maybe too spiritual that it gets annoying. But when you talk about, like, the amount of elders and then the being in the reluctance to put in elders because they control the finances my thing is like it's a little worrying if we're more concerned about and we're more selective of elders more concerned because they control the finances 
then maybe we're missing the point of how how important spiritual shepherding is. Yeah. It's way more, to me, it's like, it's way more of a, oh, is this person going to be able to shepherd well uh, someone's soul than what if they mishandle the funds? The funds are so less important mm-hmm. than messing with someone's spiritual condition. And that's yeah. a weighty thing for pastors. Like, I think about the verses that don't scare me are the verses on, you know, shepherds leading in those administrative tasks. The verses that scare me is the shepherd has to stand before Jesus saying, this person's mm. soul you didn't care for in the yeah. way that you should have. That's the thing, like the, the giving the double account. Yeah, not is the many thing. of you should seek to be yeah. leaders. Should seek to be leaders. Yeah, which is why for me is I'm like examining myself going, am I qualified to do this? Am I qualified? Am I capable? Mm. And my two things that I'm asking myself this year, am I qualified to? Am I even built to be someone that would be an elder? And I pray that that would be the case, but I, I don't want to be so flippant of like, yeah, because I think it could be so easy to be like, yeah, we all sin, or yeah, we all have thoughts. Be like, no, well, you know, uh, the main thing that Paul keys into in the New Testament is a qualified person. Mm. Doesn't really matter what he's doing. Yeah. Just that he's qualified. So it's like, well, is he business savvy? Is he mm. really good at serving here? Is he just really good at winning people? Is he a good well, communicator? I guess I didn't. I didn't necessarily mean so much. No, that. I didn't mean that. I was just I yeah. Just, as as I, was I meant. On the point. Yeah, like a lot of people, the way their church is set up, mm-hmm. the elder body is also the body that winds up making a lot of decisions about the, the finances, which, which I, I think, think is should. fine. Yeah, yeah. It's like, look, if you tr- like you were saying, if you trust someone with that shepherding of yeah. souls, then you then... why not trust them with money? And it, it, if they've proven themselves unfaithful in such small things, you know, to to borrow mm-hmm. Jesus's language, like you know, such small things as like how we're gonna allocate a million dollar budget, yeah. then why would I trust them with you know, being the, the spiritual guide of mm. a household, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the... Or eight households. And being able to steward your resources well is a qualification for being mm-hmm. alert too. So if they're not good with money, yeah. it's disqualifying. Um, or not even necessarily that they're not good with it, but maybe they have their own agenda yeah. that they're trying to push. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I really want this ministry to take off or mm-hmm. I want this building project funded. Mm. So it's like, you got to... Like an ego is such a mm-hmm. such a thing to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I feel like, and there's not a, a specific number that I would have in mind of this is how many elders I think a church mm-hmm. should have, but I do think that it should be enough to where all of the like we're talking about, like all the church is being shepherded, and there's mm-hmm. and there's ample time, um, and I think that there, I think that there should be a heavy expectation on what they're doing because I feel like I've been in I've been in other circumstances where a lot of the elders were just kind of, they were in meetings and they gave votes and that was kind yeah. of the extent of it. And it's like, well, I, they're yeah. called to be pastors. They're called to mm-hmm. be shepherds. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the question that came up in, a, in the uh, class I was teaching on um, what is it, what is it, how our church is set up is uh, what's the difference between like a pastor and an elder. And, and my answer is there really shouldn't be a ton mm. that you notice that's different because they're all called to shepherd the congregation um, and I've seen far too many times it's, you know, the, the pastoral staff is doing all of the, all, all of the focused work and they're mm-hmm. not, and it's not even like the lay elders are, are not doing it. It's more of the pastoral staff are taking most of the work mm-hmm. um, and probably for a good mindset. Cause I know you're, you're, you're being paid. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put, you don't want to delegate when you're um, taking a paycheck from the church. But mm-hmm. in the same sense, I feel like there's ways to keep the elders exercising the things that elders are called to, which I feel like the new Testament uh, it doesn't give everything that an elder could be doing, but it it definitely shows that elders should be praying for their congregation. Um, the ministry of prayer is to the elders. 
um, guarding doctrine and teaching because mm. um, the elders are qualified to be teach in a way that deacons aren't. Mm. Deacons are still church leaders. Mm -hmm. They're still leading and, and, and um, being are part of the government of, government of the church. Um, so teaching and uh, the ministry of prayer and then shepherding, so counseling mm. and things like that. It should be what all elders are doing. When you become an elder, you should propose the elder prayer hour idea yeah. of like, really, we're going to show up awesome. like the elders should show up. You know, if the first sermon service is at nine, which is going to be at eight. Yeah. Coming soon. Uh, elders show up at seven. Yeah. And you just have coffee together. Like, and honestly, one, I think that if you do it at seven, not a lot of people will show up. But I think that like that would be a better time to have your elders meeting. Like, I know they have yeah. elders meetings every week on a Monday. Yeah. And it's like. Well, okay, but mm -hmm. I mean, are, like I said, are you going to ask people to drive out all that way again every Monday when you already had them there on Sunday? You know, a lot of that, mm -hmm. I, I really feel like Sunday is such an underutilized day when I think of the fact that, okay, on Sunday, when do you think the first person shows up in the parking lot at our church? I would say... Maybe so, like worship practice is at 8. Okay, I'm gonna say like around like maybe a little before seven. I was thinking like seven fifteen. Yeah, you know, locking or unlocking stuff, yeah, getting the computer because really you just have to get the main building turned unlocked on. and turned mm -hmm. on so that worship practice can start. So okay, from seven fifteen and then, and this is right now, you know. So then the we have two services. The last one gets out at twelve thirty, and then I feel like the campus is cleared. Unless there's a life group that's meeting like there, after one. the the campus is cleared by one. And yeah. it's like, dude, from one to like nine, have some stuff going on. Like have a, have a class, have, you, you know, maybe have life groups, but have, yeah. um, have something always, going on. I'm always surprised when there's not more stuff scheduled on Sunday. Like you're already yeah. out. Yeah. You're already there. Half of the people like go out to dinner in yeah. the area with yeah. each other. Like, a lot of times, I'm, like, next door at another restaurant, like, and I can yeah. easily swing back to church. Yeah. Um, I've I've talked with Nicole about the idea of us maybe restarting a life group, you know, maybe in the medium term, definitely not the short term with baby on the way. But, like, I, she was asking me when we should do it. I'm like, Sunday. Sunday yeah. after church. Like, everybody just either pack right a lunch there. or go out, get something real quick, and come back, you know, with a takeout lunch, and then we eat. We talk, hang out, you know, and then once everybody's finished eating, we move into a time of, of uh, you know, prayer, focus yeah. on the word. And it's like, you just heard a sermon. Let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a, such a common sense decision to make. Mm -hmm. That is something I do, I would recommend, or like I, I would, I would push for. But I think that's such a brilliant idea of having the elders there and available. And even at the very least, the elders are together praying before the church service mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and not just in like a we're meeting really quick like a, a more extended period of time mm -hmm. um i will yeah. say once the eight o'clock service starts i don't think i'll ever go to the eight o'clock service but i would like to be on campus during the eight o'clock and maybe doing something like that maybe doing like a theology or like a church history not a formal class but just like a powwow or yeah. like you know talking our way through the book of Romans or the, you know, book of first Peter or, yeah. or whatever. I'd love to do something like that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe the thing is, I love how we're talking less and less about uh, planting 
and more and more just about like things that we can implement where we are now. So. Well, I think that's e- a little bit easier too. To be fair, especially like when you're not in a trash church. Yeah. Like you're not having to raise the dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is easier in like your own context. Like, okay, so what are we doing? What could we be doing? Maybe we should normalize just like set the example and normalize being at church until like four yeah on sundays i mean there's there's been more than once that i've done that yeah because like you know just hanging out talking you know maybe say hey a bunch of us are here and we're just gonna you know yeah go through the pastoral epistles or something short yeah i don't like think that. i don't think there would be any negative reaction from like uh, the elders right i feel like we're using yeah, especially the like the facilities available. Yeah, we're it's, using it's and we're using the us. building and we're saying, yeah, yeah, and they're they're very generous with all that. They're not mm-hmm. super. I mean, the only thing is, if it became something more formal, yeah. they would want us to put it on the calendar. Yeah, but, yeah. I was even thinking just like approval from the elders too. It was like yeah. this, it's teaching oriented. So mm-hmm. maybe they're less than. I've been under some churches with a very strict like. If that has anything to do with the actual church's teaching, then like we really need to sit down and have a long talk about that but yeah but i mean i think they also trust us yeah they trust us like they don't trust necessarily everybody that's nice i've I've been under circumstances where trust trust even looked a little different <sighs> yeah um so that is that is a huge uh huge thing that i really really appreciate here is the the trust and being like i mean it like when i trust you like i mean that i'm not just mm-hmm. like i trust you but i'm definitely watching over your shoulder mm-hmm. constantly and micromanaging you I'm like well trust means something different in that sense but yeah I think that would be, I would be 100% up for that. I think that would be awesome. Um, my guy's theology is going to be meeting after church on Sunday. Oh, really? So if you want to church? come to that. I think we're probably going to either go get, we might go get some food. But I actually might see if, because I didn't even think about using the building, the, the yeah. open access to it. Like, well, we might come back and just meet in the upstairs room. Yeah, there there is a life group that meets, mm-hmm. I think, two Sundays out of the month, but they mm-hmm. meet downstairs in the community room building. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, we have five classrooms upstairs mm-hmm. and a living room. Mm. <laughs> but we literally got to the, <laughs> same, the same conclusion we just went to when we were talking. So I was trying to figure out when to get uh, the guys' theology together. It's just a couple guys. And we're talking about like what lines up with our schedule and when would work. And I'm like, well, we're already here mm-hmm. on Sunday. All of us are here. Mm-hmm. So can we do an hour afterwards or two hours afterwards? And they're like, yeah, we can get dinner and but do that. Are you willing to give out to give up your Disney escapades? That's 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 a great question, because uh, you know my stance on my Disney. Disney escapades. The Disney escapades is a placeholder if no one else is available. Because <laughs> I've told you this, I've told you this before. It does. It's not a primary thing. It's the I'm now going home to an empty house. Mm. I'd rather go out and do something else instead of just sitting by myself looking at a wall. But if anybody asked me, like, literally, and you know this, like, if you said, hey, would you want to go hang out for the rest of the afternoon? I would be like, yeah, sure. Okay. So I, Sometimes I feel like, because uh, I, I don't know that I necessarily understood that. And I need to yeah. um, punch myself because you probably have explained that to me before. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if, if I say, hey, what are you doing the rest of the afternoon? And you'll say, like, oh, you know, I was thinking of going to, you know, what was it yesterday? Magic Kingdom. Magic and, Kingdom was yesterday. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, never mind. Oh. <laughs> and I just kind of go on yeah. my merry way. It's, see, it's a tough thing because I'm like, I don't want to say nothing, mm-hmm. you know. Because I'm like, I have this, but it's like, it, but it's just, it's not urgent. It's just something mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because, again, it's, it, it's, it's tough when you're like, well, I got no one to go home to, and I'm just, like, sitting the rest of the day, and I don't have, like, a whole lot of, lot of stuff. So I'm like, it's fun mm-hmm. to go out go out and be around people and, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, and all. So, yeah, so that 100% is... I use that as a placeholder. So I just got to start inviting you over to my place. Yeah, I was gonna say every like, Sunday that's afternoon. That's why I'm like now I'm now I'm like worried that I've I've thrown something there because like if I told you <laughs> if I told you all it takes is you inviting me somewhere you're like every single Sunday you'd be like hey you're not going to Disney anymore <laughs> and then you'd never get to go to Disney. Ugh. I'd be okay with that. No, I, I get plenty of time to do it, so I'd be fine too. Okay, so we've talked kind of about uh do we need churches? We've talked about, um, you know, what it might look like. Mm-hmm. And then I guess this is kind of still on the, what it might look like page, but some of the doctrinal distinctives when it comes to practice. Um, so communion, mm-hmm. would you say that communion needs to be, there's something that we talked a little bit about last week, mm-hmm. um, that it needs to be open for all believers, only for members of the church. Um, if, if they're believers, do they need to be, baptized as a result of their confession to partake or to or to become members like let's get into some of these things yeah so i think the easiest distinction because i think communion is for believers Mm -hmm. and believers are called to be baptized so an easy distinction is you can take communion you can take that the the ordinance that that symbolizes our unity with one another our unity with christ um enjoyment of and being nourished by um, uh, Christ and his and presence with him um, just as a result of your baptism like you baptism um, you that that's your first act of obedience so you come to faith as a result of your faith you obey Christ's command to be baptized and once you've done that now you can take communion it's a very mm-hmm. easy mm-hmm. visible tangible thing which I think the ordinances Jesus has given them, them to us because they are very tangible and easy mm-hmm. to distinguish like you were bap- you weren't baptized and then the next day you were baptized and now you are a baptized person. Like, yeah, it's a very yeah. clear dividing line for us. Um, so I think that's something that I think is as helpful when you're really quickly explaining communion to say, mm. if you've been baptized as a result of your confession of faith, this table uh, is for you. I think this is, a, a you know, a me- the metaphors are not meant to be stretched too far. Analogies, you know, like you don't want to pull them too far, but I think it is a kind of a helpful way to understand it or, to think of it as like um, baptism, you think about it like your wedding day. So there's your entry in, mm. your start of the journey, and now communion is that time with your wife. So wouldn't make sense to flip the two, mm. you know, to have the the really intimate time. Not, not, I don't I don't mean that sexually, but the in, like the really intimate relation building time with yeah. your spouse yeah. before you get married. Yeah. So that's why I would say it that way because it doesn't it doesn't doesn't make sense to flip it, and especially if you're not a believer. Like, it doesn't mean anything to you. Mm. And it's not really a great thing for you to just take it because it's being passed around. Mm. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with you. That is something I would love to start seeing even at the church where I am now, but or where we are now. But I don't think that's probably in the cards, at least for the near to middle mm-hmm. future. Uh, but yeah, to start saying, because we say those two things before communion if you're trusting in Jesus Christ's mm-hmm. sacrifice alone for the forgiveness of your sins, and if you are confessing him, or, yeah, if you're confessing and forsaking all known sin in your life, and then I would add, if you've been baptized as a result of your confession and faith, mm-hmm. confession of faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, you could ease, 
easily even just say baptized believers if you're trying not to make a distinction. Yeah, if you're if you're trying not to call too much attention to it, but still, yeah. it's like I think that a um, a Presbyterian who's visiting uh, or a mindful Presbyterian, they're gonna catch that. They're gonna be like, oh, okay, well then, I won't. Like, I mean, last time I went to a Presbyterian church, it's pretty much open communion, and I didn't partake because it's like, look. You know, not even just so much that, oh, this isn't my church, but it's like, this is not, um, like, this This church is so other from my church that they would call the enterprise of our church, like, invalid. Yeah. And so... I think that's an, that's an important distinction, because I think yeah. we were talking about who should take... Yeah. I'm of the opinion uh, that, and I, and I think that and maybe this argument doesn't hold as much water as I tend to tend to give it weight, but it is the Lord's table and not uh, a single church's table. So I do think that it is open to Christians. Would you take it a Catholic church? No, because I'm going to, so I'm going to go on to nuance this. So I, it is, it is open to, so. But... I didn't mean that as a gotcha. I just, no, like, no, 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 yeah. honest question. No, I gotcha. Um, gotcha. <laughs> um, <laughs> but all that with, with the distinction of, there needs there there should be within the same doctrinal alignment, which I know that's kind of like going taking taking steps back. Um, I get I have a really I do have a really hard time. We talked about that last week. I, I, it it is something I really do struggle with. I don't back off a, a, an iota of saying that someone who is understanding things from a infant Baptist perspective, I just see that as being unfaithful mm. or or disobedient. or disobedient. Yeah. That's where be disobedient. It's hard to reconcile that. Um, and yeah, so that I, I, in a sense, I want to say like, you know, it's the Lord's table. We don't want to withhold communion from like a faithful credo Baptist person who's visiting the church. Credo Baptist? Uh, someone who's been baptized as a result of their confession. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So creed is another word for confession. Yeah, no, I, I, I I I got the word. I just thought you were, cause you, but you would partake at a church like a presbyterian church but if you had a church you would not want presbyterians taking it at your church unless they had been baptized as a result of their own confession you know i wouldn't take it as a i don't think i would take it as a presbyterian church oh okay um, i misunderstood what you were saying then yeah maybe and I, maybe i'm still working on that myself um i definitely would take it at churches i was visiting okay when i went up to vermont and well I visited, yeah and, and i was yeah. saying the church i don't know maybe i left it out but the church i was saying that i had visited yeah. Was a Presbyterian. You, no, you mentioned you mentioned yeah. that. So I I did not take communion when I visited Lutheran churches. Yeah. Because I do have a different view. I because not only the baptism baptism piece. I know my view of communion yeah. is different than their view of communion. What they are saying is happening in communion. It's not something I agree with. So and that's not even just level. the real presence thing, but like yeah. I've only been to a Lutheran service once, and the priest said, and it was in Spanish. But um, Mm because this is when I was in South America, but the priest said, I now absolve you of your sins. Mm. And I looked it up and I'm like, okay, apparently that's part of their liturgy is like the idea Mm -hmm. that the priest is the one who Mm -hmm. reconciles you to God. And I'm like, boy, I'm sure really uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. And my uncomfortability is on two different levels. And it's kind of surprising for the same reason as you are, but also... The reason I don't like when um, Lutherans or Catholics have that view of the priesthood is because I'm like, that should be something that all Christians are doing for each other. 
Not the specific absolution piece, but I'm saying... Yeah, that's what Jesus does. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jesus does. But we are, we also, have that priesthood of believers, I do think, and maybe this is like my my ways that Anabaptists have influenced me, of like, Woo! that priesthood of all believers, we're called, what are we called to do? Confess our sins to one another. Like, there's a mediation mm. piece, I think, that's in there that I don't think we often think about. And maybe that's where Lutherans get, can, can get keyed in, but wrongly putting on the priesthood of when we confess... We can we can say to each other like remind not not absolving as in like I actually forgive you of your sins, mm -hmm. but reminding that Christian that um remember that, or like reminding them that Christ via Christ's work that sin has been forgiven of mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. and I think there's more to it than just hey I'm pointing you to Christ. I think there that priesthood of believers that is among every Christian. Mm -hmm. There's some weight behind that, and I think Jesus takes that seriously when we talk that way. So I oftentimes uh, want to include that when I am with other brothers. And we're confessing sins to not just be like, okay, let's work on that. To be like, hey, you know, you've confessed that you've you're we're working on repentance yeah. that Jesus has um, ministered his precious blood on mm. that sin. And out of that, go and sin no more. Like, yeah, there's a serious. Ser so that's that's I, that was something I, just, I didn't or I just wanted to jump on because it was a good opportunity to, to mention another very Baptist distinctive, which is the priesthood of all believers. Yeah. Instead of the priest only not. But yeah, so because of that, uh, so that's the other reason why I wouldn't take it as a Catholic church. Because I, not just the baptism piece, but I know that their view of what is going on communion is different. And uh, for for Catholicism, I definitely can say it's unbiblical. Is, is, yeah. Um, yeah. Lutherans, I can make a case, I can make a strong case for. Um, Catholics, it's like obviously heretical in my mind. I don't uh, know if heretical is the right word to say, but it's obviously error. Yeah. Uh, what would church discipline look like? I do think church discipline should include withholding the table. Okay. Obviously, because you yeah. are treating that person as, as an a unbeliever. Non, as an unbeliever, yeah. and unbelievers should not be taking communion. I think if you have someone in your midst who you know is not confessing Christ... Um, you know, as an unbeliever, and they take it just to be cool. I think, and it's an elder's responsibility to go up and say, "Hey, just so you know, like, we're gonna ask that you have this pass and not take this with it, because that doesn't mean anything." I know, you know, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're coming. Um, yeah. Can I take some time? Can I take? Can I buy you a coffee and explain what communion means? Mm -hmm. And then you have a good inroad for the gospel to give him give give him another um, gospel proclamation. Um, but I do think we should fence it a little bit more in that realm of like, if we know someone is obviously not a Christian or is not confessing or is not been about to, we should, we should take the initiative to mm. go over and say, Hey, you really shouldn't be, yeah. you really shouldn't be yeah. taking this. Um, so then you would say the elders should administrate the elements, right? I remember last time we, or I looked at mm -hmm. the notes I was taking last time and I, uh, mm -hmm. I believe you were the one who had said, you believe elders should be administering the elements instead would, of just like, oh, they're in the mm -hmm. in the seat backs in front of you. <laughs> I would prefer, I'll say it this way, I would prefer the elders be the ones that administ administer the elements. In as much elements. as it's possible. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely say the elders should be um, policing. It's not the right term. What's the word? Fencing. Word? Yeah. yeah. They they should be okay. um, um, shepherding over um, I, I have a word of it. I can't think of it. They, they should be supervising over uh. the of both ordinances. I feel like elders should be there um, watching. Because, again, they're both visible doctrine. 
So again, with baptism, we talked about this. I think, uh, I think any Christian can baptize, but I do think that they should do it under the supervision of the elders. Mm. Um, I, and I think that's a very easy piece because it's like they've talked about it. You know, the elders should help coach that person who's going to do the mm. baptism. Mm-hmm. So they're not just like jumping up saying, I want to say whatever I want to say and do whatever I want to do. Yeah. You know, the elders should be coached. So, so what I, what I mean when I say that, you know, like they're fencing or they're supervising or it's under the administration of the elders, it doesn't have to be micromanaging, but yeah. there should be a well, there should not be any surprises that go on um, yeah. for the elders. Yeah. They shouldn't be like, oh, I didn't know he was going to do that or I didn't know this was going to happen. Yeah. But what about church discipline other than the elements? What else does church discipline look like? So one, I mean, I guess if we're going to talk about that, what is partnership or membership yeah. look like? Um, I do think this, maybe I'm answering the question I want to answer. So the, the last one you <laughs> asked, I do think that one of the things that church discipline should look like is they should no longer be allowed to serve in any capacity. Yep. Um, there should be, cause there should be some, some pain there. I, it depends on the situation as to whether I would say they are not, they are encouraged not to come to the Sunday service. There are some situations that I've mm. seen where it was like, yeah, they should not be allowed in the building. Again, Oof. there's in some situations where it's like... Wait, you would say they shouldn't be allowed to come to the Sunday service? This was a situation where there had been actual, like, abuse done. Okay. So it was like, that's what like, I'm saying, like... And so I would say, did they call the cops? Like, were the police brought in if no, this is abuse? The, it... Okay, so I won't tell a lot of details. Yeah, but you don't but have this to. Was, this was a people, situation but... of uh, a um, an older person who was in ministry with one of the uh, high school students had started developing hey, feelings hey. in a relationship, and uh, he was married. And um, so uh, when gosh, he was talking, like he was not interested in coming to the Sunday service. Yeah, and was very very unrepentant for this sin. Um, so with him with him being uh, kicked out. Uh, that was what was said. And if he showed up, they would have a talking to. And again, if he was belligerent, probably call the cops. But he was already in the situation of like, no, I'm not going to, I have no interest in showing mm-hmm. up anyway. Um, so in those situations, yeah, but I feel like it doesn't say like cast them out as like, oh, they can never come to a church. It's treating them like an outsider. The way that I would see that is on the positive side as well of, so this is what, so we talked about like what we're withholding. I would also see there's a side Positive is a wrong way to say it because it's not positive in the sense of good. No, yeah, I, I get what you mean. On positive, the, active. On the active side yeah. is, as soon as they show up, the first thing I want everyone in the congregation to do is saying, "Hey, will you, will you repent of this sin," like, and not just like a like a really blunt, but like a, we're the first thing we're going to talk about is saying, yeah. "Hey, we want you back. How are you doing? Can I pray for you? We, we want you to, yeah, we want you to repent of this sin. We we want you to acknowledge it." And also, let's be real, is America. And mm-hmm. so people are going to be like, well, if you're going to make me feel this way, then I'll just go to one of the other six churches yeah. that I pass on my way here. That's, you know? that's a frustrating thing of how church discipline can lose its yeah its weight. I don't think it'll lose its weight among real believers who are connected to the church. Correct. That is correct. Because real... I can't think of anything that would be more painful than to be told mm. I can't serve or be with my or be in a life group. I think yeah. that would I would say I would say that would be something that, you know, you disconnect from the life group. Um that's heavy. Yeah. That hurts. That hurts to even think about. Um, so yeah, those are the things I would uh, I would say for church discipline. So membership, so partnership, membership, partnership. 
however you want to phrase it. Um, yeah, I I have um, one of the things I have written down, not from our last conversation, but just in general with church discipline, is that uh, so basically an elder would tell you until you have visibly committed yourself to forsaking this sin and pursuing resolution or reconciliation, four things are going to happen. One, you're removed from all positions of service, leadership, and ministry. Mm-hmm. Two, you're not to take communion. Three, our people will not take you into their homes as a guest or engage in more than cordial conversation with you except in beckoning you toward repentance. Mm-hmm. And then four, your voice will not be heard in matters of voting initiative or speaking at all towards general church matters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty um, I think that's comprehensive. Yeah, I think that's everything I, I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, so that's part of uh, membership or partnership in churches uh, is the vote, the vote that you get. Yeah. Um, and that's that can be substantial. Usually with the elder run model, um, the elder to one that are voting and deciding, but there are certain things that a lot of churches that are on that model will vote for, um, like putting elders over them. Yeah. Um, that can be a binding vote or um, I'm trying to think of what else. Some, some churches do budget as a binding vote for the congregation. Um, I like the idea of, well, one, oh man, and this, this might open up a whole nother, uh, bag of worm cans, bag of can, can, can of worms, um, is budget. And I would say, I think the elders should formulate and propose a budget, perhaps with the input of we call it a fat team Mm -hmm. which is kind of dumb because it stands for financial advisory team so Mm -hmm. it's the financial advisory team team um (laughs) but you know would formulate it and then submit it to the people for approval or Mm -hmm. and and i might even say like they can veto it with a greater than 60 percent you know vote I, i don't know exactly how that would be um written in the bylaws but i think churches and and I've heard wise people disagree with me on this. And so maybe I'm wrong, but I think churches should have budgets that are far more transparent than they are. Um, I see you, you'll have a budget and it's basically like a pie chart, a pie chart, and it's got four colors. And it's like, oh, this is what we give to missions. This is payroll. This is facilities. And this is, I don't know, administrative costs or whatever. And it's like, okay, but you know, you say this is our payroll and then I know I know how many people we have on staff and I know, you know, especially me, I know what I make and I know what Nicole makes and I know that some of the others are in positions like myself and Nicole and it's like, well, I think that if you're handing a financial report over to a group of people who's donations fund your organization mm-hmm. i think your your pay rate should be public you know it's like I, th- I think it's a good thing that in the american government the people know what the president makes what yeah. their senators make i think it would be really um unbecoming to to say like oh well you know like all of us senators combined make around this much money and like you can kind of do the math yourself and you know mm-hmm. seniority gets you this much of a it's like, no, I I think that budgets should be way more transparent. 
And the pushback that I've heard is, yeah, but everybody has their opinions on what an appropriate salary is for a pastor or what an appropriate you know, amount to spend on this building campaign is or what an appropriate amount to spend on like snacks for the children's ministry or whatever. And I'm not saying you have to itemize it that low, but man, I think that I think staff position salaries or, you know, pay or even if they're not salaried um, should be transparent. And I'm speaking as someone who yeah. is paid by my church, not full time, mm-hmm. but part time. And uh mm. And I don't think I've been a member <clears throat> long enough, but is that so? I, that's the kind of financial report because I was I haven't seen a financial report from our church yet. Uh, I will say, yeah, were you there last January? I wasn't a member last. By, I was, but you were at the and they hand them out. Just I wasn't. At I don't the... think I was at the meeting because I. Was, oh, okay. In my, in my mind, it's like partner meetings are for, for member meetings for members. Okay. If I'm not a member, because you chose to come late church, that week. Because the last the last couple churches I've been at. Remember, it's really heavily require it to be members only. Yeah, I wish meetings. we did that because they hand out line by line by line by line financial yeah. reports. So this, so this would be the first. Which one. I mean, you know, you could obviously like, hand that off to someone else. Yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying is, as what what some of the other churches I've been to would do is they they do give you a uh for last year and for the proposed budget for next year a line-by-line budget of every single budget item that the church spent money on, the exact dollar amount for every single employee. So I knew huh. how much my senior pastor, associate pastor, I knew how much the receptionist yeah. made. I knew how much we gave to missions. I knew every yeah. single... And which missionaries. Yes. Like, yeah. So that would be that would be an interesting... That would be the first situation I've been to where it yeah. hasn't been, like, line-by-line-by-line. By line by line. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish it was way more transparent. And I, I'm saying that as someone who... Like, if I was to plant a church, mm-hmm. I would want my salary to be transparent. And mm-hmm. also, I mean, I grew up not having a lot. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that the number, the dollar amount that I would wind up taking for myself would be one that would be outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, I don't know how much of our church's budget we give. I mean, I guess it's on there somewhere, but like, how much of it we give to missions and to benevolence specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, like, are we helping with any type of mm-hmm. widow's fund, orphanage fund, mm-hmm. anything like that? Because those are, re- I, th- I think every church should have that needs yeah. to be giving to specifically widows and orphans and then also missions, mm-hmm. you know, like all three of those things need to be something that's, um, taken into consideration or supported mm-hmm. by every church. Yeah. That's something that I would have at, if I did plan a church of in the policy, the requirement of what was required of what would be given to missions. Mm. The last couple of churches that had, had a policy from the church's foundational documents of they, this is how much at, by minimum you were to give to missions. Mm. And so they could never give under that amount. And huh. it, uh, both of them were 20%. Oh, 20% wow. of yeah. the church's budget had to go to missions always without exception. And, and does that and include the, benevolence? Uh, I think that in just includes, uh, uh, foreign and domestic missions. Like but mission I'm saying partners. like if, if there's a, because here's the thing, I think that if a church is giving to an orphanage, ideally it should be like a Christian yeah. orphanage, an orphanage that is run by Christian I- ideals or Christian individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would consider that missions just like I would consider, you know, mm-hmm. a church plan Benevol- in I Haiti. Would, I would consider benevolence like in-house stuff. Like when they've come into your church to ask for help. Correct. Versus yeah. like giving to another organization, I would see that as more mission giving. 
yeah because you're giving to someone else outside the church versus inside the church that's why i would break it down but yeah well Um, and and even then it's like i I, I think think benevolence like i think it needs to be clear that if you go to this church and you fall on hard times you can come to us yeah and you can say like look you know, I, my car keeps breaking down and I, you know, it, I'm not saying I absolutely don't have the money in my bank account that I couldn't take care of this, but man, it's going to put a lot of financial pressure on me mm-hmm. <coughs> to try and do this. And it's like, I would way, way, way more, um, be enthusiastic about cutting a check to that guy yeah. than one of the dozen, you know, homeless people mm-hmm. just off the street that might come to our church over the course of a month. Mm-hmm. and ask for a handout and it's like look i want to help the homeless as well you know specifically if they are disabled uh you know wounded um mm-hmm. widows orphans things like mm-hmm. that you know to help them but it's like i i would want our benevolence ministry mostly to be to each other yeah you know it's like look and, and granted yeah. we go to celebration and maybe not a ton of people really need help in that way but like there are people who need it and the church should yeah. be the first place that they go to and i don't think they should get the runaround you know it's like our, our church no. our church does a great job of benevolence and um you know giving to those who m- might just come to us off the off the street but it's like look we have our own sheep like who are That's here right. faithfully serving yeah. and like they have kids and families and like they have needs and yet we're like Hey, we're gonna take that money that you gave us, and we're gonna give it to this guy who um, just kind of came in. And like, man, I love yeah. so you know Ricardo does M twenty five, and he says he'll have people come up to him and you know ask for money, ask for help, you know, making their rent or whatever, and uh, or let's say like getting their lights turned back on, and he'll tell them like, first of all, I just want you to know right off the way we we will help you. Yeah. Okay, we're we're going to help you. Okay, but now now I have some questions for you. Number one, like, so why did you come to us? Yeah. And the person will say, have you heard this Mm-mm. spiel before where it's like, oh, well, you know, it's a church. Churches help people and whatever. And so he'll say, okay, well, so you're telling me that you understand that the church is a place where people can go to be helped and to, like, you know, help mm-hmm. each other. And it's God's way of, of uh, you know, showing mm-hmm. love and assistance to those who are in need. So you've told me that you know that. So what church are you plugged into? Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, I don't really go. I used to go to a Catholic mm-hmm. church, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but you're telling me that you believe that the church is an organization mm-hmm. established by God for helping people who are in need. Like, you need to be plugged into a church. Yeah. I don't even care if it's our church, but, like, it's you need church. to be plugged yeah. into a church. And then then it's like, okay, so now that I've run you through that, like, you know, just, uh, you know, come back with me. I got a form you can fill out, and, you know, you can, uh, you know, just give us your... Uh, landlord's mm-hmm. yeah. information so we write him the check and mm-hmm. and the guy will be like well why do i gotta fill out a form and it's like dude we're about to hand you like three hundred dollars yeah to get your to get your lights turned back on yeah. or to, to to finish out your rent like to, to help you make rent this month or whatever it is and you don't want to fill out a form mm. it's like the whole beggars can't be choosers yeah. thing and it's like there are so many people i I feel like the more I have worked with homeless people, the the more angry I have gotten at a lot of this type of stuff. And it's like, there's so many people in our church who are hard 
workers for the church. They bless the church. Mm-hmm. They love the church. They they mm-hmm. serve the church, and they're struggling. And then their money is rather being handed out to people who don't, aren't who aren't Christians. Yeah, you know? and aren't connected. And, and I do and think, aren't connected. And we have a priority to help each other. That's something that should come uh, with that with, with when we're talking about membership and partnership. Uh, it's a good plan to have a chart of where is money going to be going first and have and saying that a member in good standing Mm -hmm. is first priority Mm -hmm. for any needs that we should there should never be any needy among us that's which something that should be said of us oh yeah man Um, there's no reason Mm -hmm. especially at a church that is well off there's no reason for there to be any needy members Mm. faithful members that are that are in need um and then going from there i think you know we want to help but uh like what you're talking about it's like you we're not just here to hand out money. We're not even yeah. we're not even really called to hand out money. We're called yeah. to offer freedom to the poor, yeah. not just money to the yeah. poor. Yeah. So I think that's really good that they're starting to you know that Ricardo does that. If he's saying like, do you know? Even just saying it's like, well, all right, I'm gonna hand you, I'm gonna hand you this. Be at church on Sunday. That's that's a mm-hmm. very easy mm-hmm. ask. Mm-hmm. That's like the word. That's you're getting you know three four hundred dollars for an hour of work. No yep. one gets that pay rate. Yeah. Like, that's not a hard ask. Yeah. Um. Just say what you even just say like one time come to the service let, let and then if you come we'll bless you again we'll, we we can we can get you some like you know a f- couple food stuffs from mm-hmm. the pantry you know yeah. um I feel like that I don't feel wrong in any, in any way saying like 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 hey like it's not a one way street nothing's a one way street like they know yeah. that they've they've lived long enough to know that yeah. nothing's you don't just mm-hmm. like stick at your hand and get and get a reward kind of thing yeah so I think that that is huge for for partners I do I do think uh. I do like when churches give a lot to um, missions, mm. both like church planting and, and missions um, in the U.S. Um, and then in abroad as well. I think one of the one of my favorite um, elder meetings I've ever gotten to sit in on. These guys were like these are grown, you know, older men were just like giddy because they had a budget. Uh, what is it? With windfalls when you surplus. get an extra surplus. Or, yeah, they had a surplus budget surplus. Um, and they were all giddy because it was it was a fun time for them. Yeah. Because they're like, who do we get to like bless Santa with this? Claus, yeah. yeah, they're like, who do we get to bless with this? We can give a couple hundred over to this church over there. They're not expecting it at all. We can mm. two hundred. Oh, we can give a we can give a bunch of money over to a church in uh you know Cameroon that is not mm. that doesn't see it coming. It's like and like this is fun mm. that we get to sit around mm-hmm. and think about how we mm-hmm. can bless other churches um financially. So I think yeah. that's a fun thing that it kind of instills in your church and in your elder board when you have that kind of mm. mandatory so that you know it was well, a percentage and, and they had to give that percentage and i really do feel like it fosters a sense of um what's the word i'm looking for like investment yeah like in your people it's like hey yeah. check it out like you know you gave to this church and then here is this you know village in tanzania yeah. that we were able to buy them six cows yeah. and like they they have milk for the the infants in the mm. village now and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff like it's um mm-hmm. the church was able to buy bibles oh yeah man you know the, the church was able to, to have a sunday school for like those visible things yeah that they, and they're and those missionaries are willing to update like play those yeah. things play about how you know they were able to put a roof over their building for the first time so so you would say 20 percent to missions, meaning to churches or church planning organizations or gospel-centered organizations yeah. that are outside the church. That's right. Okay. And then would you put a percentage on what benevolence should be? 
I don't know, because that's what I said. I'm like, yeah, it could be, it could be lumped in with missions, but I, I kind of, and that's part of like the Southern Baptist in me is the twenty percent mm. missions because mm-hmm. they, uh, out of all, because I would say maybe even, ten yeah. percent to that, yeah, ten percent to each. I mean, that I could see that ten percent to missions, ten percent to benevolence. Um, because that is, that is something like for all my, for all the frustrations and the way I kind of poke at Southern Baptist, out of all of the Baptist denominations, and I think maybe even all of the Protestant denominations. They by far give the most emissions. Yeah, it is, and it's not it compulsory, amazing, right? It's, it, not. it's it's like you have to give like a dollar per no. church to the. No, I thought it was like you're required. Every church is required to give one dollar, but it's like you can give only they're, a dollar. They're or... strongly encouraged to give to the International Mission Board, uh-huh. but it, I don't believe. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be 100 percent wrong. I don't believe that there is mandatory that you give mm. to the mission board. Um. Maybe it is. Maybe it is that you have to mm. give a small amount, but they give a lot because it does great work, and it's it's an amazing thing to pool resources together. Not all of the organizations do that, where you pool resources together, and there's pros and cons with everything. Mm-hmm. The, the the con with the mission board for the Southern Baptist is if you say like let's say you know you've talked about like wanting to go to South America for missions a while a, like ways back. Yeah. So let's say you go there and you say I want to go to this town in Honduras. I see a need. I've made some connections. I want to go there. Uh, the International Mission Board will say, no. No, we we want you to go to this town in Honduras or Costa Rica. Uh-huh. We think that there's more boom. We think there's more opportunity there. Mm-hmm. There's more likelihood that converts are going to be made there. There's already been headway mm-hmm. there. It's going to be a good return on investment. So that's the con. Is like You can't just pick wherever. Yeah. The yeah. pro is, you go in and you say, I want to go somewhere Central America. And they say... Costa Rica work, you say that works great, and they, they look at you, they go, perfect, you're fully funded, fly out tomorrow. Dang. That's the pro with the mission board, is yeah. they have, they, they mission missionaries are fully funded, mm. and they go out immediately. So that's the, mm-hmm. the way, so mm-hmm. it's, for me, it's like, I love it, I also am like, oh, but then, what about the whole freedom thing? It's like, so, you know, well, there's flexibility I mean, when you fund for yourself, but it's like, man, but how great is that to be fully funded from just having a meeting with them? Yeah. I, I, I agree, like, it would be nice to have the freedom to make your own choices. Yeah. But it's like, you know who has the freedom to make their own choices is people who have their own money. That's true. So it's like, look, yeah. you know, it's not ideal, but it's better than... That's true. It's better than not being able to go at all. Yeah, otherwise, you're going to have to spend a, you know, couple, a year or two getting the funds raised and then constantly fundraising. And they've taken that away from you. So you, you know, on sabbatical, you come back and you rest. You're not running around on mm. furlough trying mm-hmm. to raise support again. Um, so, you know, that was a tangent just to say, like, there's different ways of doing things. Pooling resources is a fun thing, but, um, yeah, it's just a culture in Southern Baptist that they're very big on mission, um, and by far tend to give, I think it was like, they did, I was reading an article and it was like all the different denominations and like a lot of, it was uh, per dollar in offering how much goes to missions. And like some were like a couple pennies out of the dollar. But Southern Baptist, I think, was at like sixty or uh, like uh, fifty cents per dollar given for the entire convention. Yeah, yeah not yeah. for like each church, church or anything like that. Yeah. But it was like, and it was like you looked at it, and you're like, huh, that's, that's impressive, crazy. And it yeah. goes to two places: the International is Mission Board, and then the North American Mission Board, which does church planting and mm. um and missions things within America, within mm. North America. Um, huh. They're tricky to partner with because they have a lot of requirements. 
So if you get approved with NAM well, or I'm not I'm not here asking that we plant a Southern Baptist church. I wouldn't because the first thing that they would say is that if you get approved by either of those boards, you are not allowed to drink. Period. Really? Yeah, and you can get let go if you do. And I was like, that's such a yeah. weird requirement. It's America, man. Right? That's like our one of our weird distinctives is like what was the thing about uh two revivalist pastors, one from England and one from the United States, mm-hmm. and they preached at each other's churches and then they met up afterwards and the um the American pastor was like, I was just so appalled when I learned that like all these you know, these people in your congregation will like, you know, have a glass of wine before <laughs> bed. And then the British pastor was like, man, I was just so appalled when I saw all the makeup that the women at your church were wearing. Like, it was so, like, just, you know, gaudy drawing. And it's like, you know, that that was some... Blind spots. This was... I think this is also, like, a late 1800s pastor story. But still, like, that's not that much different today. Yeah. The idea is that, you know, back then, if you were wearing makeup, it was like, you're a woman of the night, basically. Yeah. And, uh... But yeah, it's just an interesting thing where it's like, okay, what you think is totally unacceptable and then what they yeah. think is totally unacceptable are different and yeah. neither are necessarily that biblically informed, you know? Yeah, that, and that's a good reminder of those blind spots. My favorite, yeah. this is just me throwing this out there because I'll enjoy it. My, one of my favorite jokes is there was once a uh, teetotaling pastor who was preaching vehemently against the dangers of alcohol and how terrible it was and satanic it was and so he was working himself up to a lather and he says if i had all the brandy in the world i would dump it in the river if i had all the whiskey in the world the first thing i would do is dump all of it in the river if i had if i had all of the wine in the world i would dump it in the river and he finishes his sermon and he sits down you know dabbing his forehead and a very terrified nervous looking choir director gets up uh, and looks in the congregation and nervously, Shall shakily says, "Now let's open our hymnals to shall come. Let us gather at the oh, river." Yeah, that's I love that. Love that joke. Man, that's good. I thought it was. You know the song "Shall We Gather at the River." I think so. Yeah, yeah. but I, I'd learned it as "Come, Let Us Gather," but it should might be "Shall We Gather at the it's, River." I don't know. Might be a totally different song. Yeah, I think it, but that's funny. Same, but yeah, I, I love that joke. I'm yeah. Just, yeah. Um. But yeah. yeah, I think I think transparency with church, like to go back to that, is I think is a really good thing. It can get a little awkward because especially if you know, like for pastors, it's one thing to be transparent, and then it's like, well, like receptionists or like you know, mm. someone that's working part time at church, like, and now you, you're just working on little things, but now you have to completely share with everybody around you, all your mm. friends, like what you're making. I don't think it's necessarily that embarrassing, but yeah, you know, a lot of judgment can come in, or, um, but I do think it's helpful for churches to know. Yeah. Um. And I don't think. Well, I think and especially. I think, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. I just was gonna say that I think. Yeah, some people might have problems with amounts and all that. I think a lot of times, people love their pastors and are are usually pushing for them to be paid a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um. They want their pastors to be taken care of. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It just it always depends. Yeah. I I will say also. Um. And I I don't I don't complain. Um, but like, for example, what, maybe a month or so ago, I had a, one of the parents, um, was talking to me after, or actually before service and, um, asking me to just, Hey, you know, how's it going? How's everything doing? And I was like, Oh yeah, I, uh, you know, just got on Christmas break from my school. And so, 
uh, you know, it's it's nice. I got a couple weeks where I'm not really gonna have to worry about work about uh, about school. And they're like, oh, where where are you taking classes? And I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Like I teach high uh-huh. school. And they're like, what? Like you do this and mm-hmm. you you're like a full time teacher. And I was like, yeah. And and um and I feel like um if a lot of people knew. Oh man, it's like I don't know how to say this without sounding whiny. Yeah. I, I'm really not trying to be whiny, but it's like if a lot of people knew maybe what I was making, mm-hmm. um, they would be either upset that I wasn't making more, or maybe maybe that's not the right word. Maybe the right word is like more understanding mm-hmm. of why I do the amount the of work that I yeah, do, that and like sense. you know why we don't have a kids event every other week or you know yeah. why we don't have more going on yeah on sundays or like on friday nights why don't we have and it's like well i'm not like this isn't my only job you yeah. know and uh there's a split focus yeah yeah which mm. part of me is like i mean you've heard me say before i really wish i hated my other job because i think that i could you know within yeah. the next year or so leverage things to where i was working full-time at the church and I think they like me and would like to bring me on full time. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's all a matter of time. I'm probably making that transition over the next year mm-hmm. and a half, maybe two years. Mm. But we'll see. And yeah. Mm. But yeah. I also think it's like a pastor. I feel like I don't think a pastor should make a lot of money. Um, I think they should make a... a decent living you know maybe on average with you know if you were to average together the salaries of all the people in the church you know it it should come out to around there um and you know obviously if they have kids living at home or if they have you know a a sick loved one that they're taking care of then things like that are going to be more um are going to inform the decision but i think sometimes it's like well we don't want people to know what we're making because we make an amount of money that if a lot of people knew that this is what we were making, they would think it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not unfair, but just opulent maybe. Yeah. Just like a little extravagant. Yeah. And, and that's it's like, that's okay, a... well maybe, maybe let yourself be informed by that thing you just said out loud, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think it, that's a tough push and pull for me. Because I get that, and, like, I don't want, you know, we don't want to be, I don't want to see pastors who are, like, raking it in, you know, kind of, like, that presence. Mm. But also, I'm, like, I don't, I think it, personally, I think it's shameful for a church to underpay their pastor. I think you should take pride in the fact that you feed your pastor well. You take care of him. And there, and that that's a different, that's a different, uh, there's two polarities there, because in America, what it means to be, like, well-fed and taken care of yeah is includes a lot of luxury that is not yeah. necessary yeah but i do think just that, as a base yeah you know for middle class people you yeah have expectations so that's where it's like that can get really subjective really quick but like i do think that um like we're talking about not having any need is like i think i think you should a church should take pride in making sure that their pastor doesn't have any that the worker is worthy of his wages that mm. you don't thresh the odd like there's a lot of the scriptures about that you pay the minister for the work that he does it's not mm. it's not easy work to do and so you you know you want to make sure that they're getting a comfortable 
wage, but at the same time, uh, there shouldn't be like advantage taken over or too much. So there's, it's like a, it's a weird balance. Wanna... My question, I Go ahead. I do want to ask you though, uh, is, and maybe this is just a really obvious one, so it's not like a, it's not it might not be that that uh, good of a question because it's probably an obvious answer. So should a pastor be um giving offering to the church? offering back if he gets like tithing yeah yeah i think so i think that's a good practice yeah i I think it's um it can seem weird counterintuitive because you're like well they just paid me from this money well it's like if you're paid by the government and then you pay taxes that's true like why do you have why not just take a pay cut of that amount of dollars it's like no i think it does people good to see yeah um like okay this is something that even like everybody's doing it like you know i'm I'm not it's kind of going back to what i was saying before of I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not That's willing right. to do myself. Like and I'm not even going to ask like, oh, just, well, just give me a pay cut and then I'll, um, I like, I know. like the fact that you're taking an active step and like pay cut yeah. is like passive. Yeah. But act, you're yeah. actively, you're choosing and, yeah. And pastors can choose to be more um, generous times too. So do you want to, do you want me to just ask it? Like, what do you think is a reasonable central Florida pastor's salary full-time full-time ministry that's a tough one because i haven't really done the market research of like what do other people in the same position with the same degrees like make but does that matter i think in a Be- sense is it, it like a is it a supply and demand thing of like well hey and it, it's like you again i do i do not want them to be underpaid yeah but boy i it, i think especially living in celebration or being mm-hmm. in church in celebration we have a weird view of what overpaid and underpaid. Yeah. Are. Like I, I, I think, I think the only reason I bring that up because it, not necessarily that it matters, but it's a helpful rubric. So it's not just our personal opinion. It's like, we're looking at multiple different people and around, not just around like our area, but across uh, the country of what but, do things look like in our denomination, like with our background. Let me pause that yeah. question for just a second. I had this conversation with someone um a few a couple months ago um do you think it is ever the right decision for a christian to buy a lamborghini do i ever think it's a right decision for a christian to buy a lamborghini no okay and the person that i was talking to and i kind of knew that this was going to be a response but it's like well, you know, let's say they make a lot of money and like they already give a lot of money and then they, you yeah. know, just want to have that and like they're already really generous, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I would still say no. I don't care if you're a billionaire and you gave $100 million to the church. Like the idea of having just something so unnecessarily lavish and opulent mm-hmm. while there are still, like God didn't give you that money so that you could, you know, just have a fun yeah that's true have a fun time like yeah, and there's not you know really, you're you're a steward of god's resources and there's not really much you can do with it you're just gonna drive and commute in it so it seems like a, a purpose purposeless yeah. purchase so you, you would say no car? i i would say no um i'm trying to think of like why i don't want to be that kind of bully guy of you know being like oh you've got to have a monastic life because i can I can sometimes easily come I would mindset. Definitely but... for myself, for 
a path like I would love to be sitting under pastors that they did err on the side of mm-hmm. oversimplicity and monasticism, not mm-hmm. like asceticism for the sake of like flexing their holiness, but just like I don't need a lot of things. Yeah. You know, like saying, oh, I don't have like all my kids are moved out. And so I don't need a massive house, or, you know, yeah. whatever. I think that is helpful like to downsize. Because yeah. um, we don't we don't often think about that. Yeah. But we want to make sure we're not tied to worldly things and worldly mm-hmm. success. And that and that's all tough. I'm not I'm not saying I'm a master at that too. So mm. with this question, it's like that's a good thing for me to read the barometer of my heart of, am I, spending too much time mm-hmm. going after things like is this is this something like that? that's something that does kind of go through my mind. I don't have a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. You've been to my house. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. They tend not to. And I don't to want a ton of stuff. I don't want. And I try to t- t- tend to think of like if something's really really practical. I've been chewing for a long time uh, recently over, and I'm not trying to say this is like to toot my own horn. Buying a popcorn bucket. A $25 popcorn (laughs) bucket. I'm like, because there's really not a lot of practical use for it. Mm, And so it has mm -hmm. gone push and pull in my mind of like, is that really useful? Mm, Is that really helpful? mm -hmm. Um, I probably am going to do it because I I like it. And it's not a huge purchase. Yeah, it's not a Lamborghini. There's still a weight in my mind. Like, there's a weight in my mind on a lot of things that, that... um, people are, I've talked to people who are like, oh, totally, people do more than that, like, that's totally fine, like, you should, that's a good expense, but I'm like, I still, I feel like, am mm. I being too lavish with myself? Yeah. Um, with, with these, there's a lot of purchases where I think, like, am I, I'm spending an awful lot here for what it feels like an awful lot, is that, mm. is that necessary when I can get something similar for, for less? Um, so I'm not, I'm not great at that, because where I come down on that, I spend more on my haircut than I'm proud of. Because I feel ashamed of like like all the guys I grew up around were like oh go as cheap as possible but versus other people who are like oh yeah like some people spend way more mm. but then on the other flip side of it is like I one of my proudest moments was saying no to buying a new car because mine works mm. and mm-hmm. that saved me like almost Many thirty thousand dollars so like the idea that you were yeah. gonna spend thirty grand so I'm like back and forth <laughs> on that. Well, maybe it yeah. was, I think it, I think it was around like twenty six, but I just rounded Still, up. Still, yeah, it's a lot. Um, so it's like going back and forth, and I'm being like, I think I do decent with that, but I think it is it is something we want to have in our minds of, do I really need this? Mm-hmm. And the amount of expensive stuff we have, I have I've had my same phone for like four some four or mm-hmm. five years. Um, I not intentionally just because I keep forgetting to upgrade it. <laughs> so that's not it. But 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 what are the thing the interesting thing is is like it works mm, it might mm-hmm. not be as fast and as best and it might have some downsides and it doesn't work as good as it used to like but it works and it's a super advanced computer that's in my pocket mm. that is an expensive piece of machinery do i really want to just be like throw it out and buy another one mm. and have to pay off that one and then pay off a new one so i do think that's a good a, a practice we don't talk a lot uh, as much about simplicity simplicity yeah. the discipline of purgation getting rid of stuff mm, that we don't yeah. need um all right. Man. So, what's your number for a lead pastor in this area? I don't. I'm terrible with figuring these things out. You say yours. Okay, and let's say this I'm, person yeah. is married and has two kids. Okay. Let's just say, like a pastor, full time pastor, married, two kids, wants the wife to be able to, you know, stay at home. Mm-hmm. Man. And I'm not going to repeat back to you whatever number you say, so 
Like, I'll, I'll be honest. You already have a number in your head? No, I'm debating. No, numbers. okay. I'm, not, I, I I'm want, not good with numbers in general. I want you to have a number in your head. I don't know what a normal, like, good, solid... for Because you think about someone, like, if you're a lead pastor, you're, you're more... And I don't like the idea of equivalence, but I'm just mm-hmm. using it just to help myself, like, grasp on something. Like, you're more equivalent to, like, upper management in a company. Like, you're mm. not... You're not an entry level employee, so yeah. you should not be making like an end. Like you should not be making like fifteen thousand a year, twenty thousand a year. Like yeah. you've got to be making. Well, that's more poverty that. wages. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you've got to be. It's got to be more than that. So I, I'm gonna say, full time pastor, two kids. Um, I think a modest but livable mm-hmm. wage, and and I'm also living in East Kissimmee. I'm yeah. not living in Celebration. Uh, I'd say maybe like eighty. I was thinking eighty five. Okay. Eighty five ninety. You're so extravagant, lavish. Right. Uh, I was thinking eighty dollars a year. Eighty eighty dollars. They should be able to 90. make it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes me feel better because I was worried that I was like either too high or way too low. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a healthy amount. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'd say that that also, uh, like, I I'm also going to assume with that that you have benefits, that you have insurance. Oh, yeah. um, insurance costs is huge. I would say if the number is 80, then there doesn't need to be like a housing allowance. You know, if you want to bring down income and then supplement that with a housing allowance so the mm-hmm. income tax rates are lower, mm-hmm. I get all that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that is modest, livable, not extravagant, but still like, you know, you can save and go on a, on a decent vacation um, you know, if you, if you really want to, um, you know, have a, a homeschooling co-op type of thing or whatever, where maybe the wife can also have a job or where the yeah. wife can do some work from home. Um, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. I think know? that's good for like a, a moderate size mm-hmm. church. I think that's good because it's always going to vary. What do you consider older. moderate size? I don't know. I was just saying, I was just thinking of like. Because we threw out that out there, it's like, well, for a church plant, you're not going to be making. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So it all that the I wasn't really saying making a, a statement on size, more more of just the uh, an established church that mm. um, has mm. some solid gear. Because because pastoral salary that can be an ideal, but it's going to vary among yeah. circumstances. And at the same people. time, if you have a large church, it's not necessarily like, oh, your lead pastor should be making two hundred fifty thousand dollars. No, it's like you probably need more staff. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I think let's that's pay a better way to do two it. Two people, half that much, and yeah, I think that's I think that would be a great policy for for like way down the road. If the like let's say if the because we're talking about like a church plant, if the church plant was growing, to put that in a policy of we're not just going to keep loading and loading up the lead yeah. pastor. We're going to yeah. start distributing this because I think I think it you can still have a lead pastor, a big congregation, but when there's like. When you have a multi-thousand person congregation, I yeah. do think you need to start distributing it because it's going to so quickly become a cult of personality. How, how do you feel about a, uh, you know, general rubric of saying one full-time staff member for every 20 families? That's for every 20 bad. committed, serving, tithing, you know, plugged-in families. That's not bad. I would Because say... it's like if you have 20 families and they're tithing then you're making double a pastor's salary, which, mm. you know, if their salary is this much, and then you also have facilities, expenses, I think blah, blah, blah. A, I think that's a good rubric. Um, but yeah, I definitely would want to diffuse attention away from a singular person, because I think that that goes awry when you start getting into bigger churches. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
it really shouldn't be all on that one. We sh- there should be a multitude of leaders mm-hmm. in that scenario. Because, um, yeah, I do th- I do think that it, get, it gets too focused on the one person and they're making a big... Mm-hmm. Uh, they're making tons. It's like, then... It really well, a lot of those be... cult of personality type people, they also have book deals and yeah, all that. things like that. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah, I like that rubric of... Of getting staff per family, so mm. that you're staff per family, one. elders per family. Like, I think yeah. that's the the best way to to calculate these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You know, and granted, it's like, you know, family is kind of a nebulous term right now, where it's like, okay, well, I'm a college student who moved down, and mm-hmm. I'm my family is is just me. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe an elderly couple that like they can't really plug in and serve then mm-hmm. maybe they're still giving but they can't really plug in and serve but mm-hmm. you know, they're still considered a family mm-hmm. so you know there's there's probably some wiggle room when it comes to all that mm-hmm. but i also like the idea of having a very well-defined like uh role basically where it's like if, if someone asked me how many members does your church have you have that information, you know, even, even if that's like, gosh, maybe this sounds like too much, but like, even if that's someone's job is keeping track of like, who's, or at least a part of someone's job is keeping track of like, who's a member, who's on track to become a member. Uh, okay. You're a member and your assigned elder is this person. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have, I like the idea of in the pastor's office having a big map and having pins in the yeah. locations of all these different houses. Um, having a book with members' prayer requests for the year. Yeah. That's a fun thing that I've had. The Heck yeah. Awesome. yeah. Yeah. Not to be facetious, but someone are, are having having the job of keeping the member roles is what the New Testament calls an elder. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> what they're called to do is to yeah. keep track of the member that's roles. That's part of it. Yeah. Uh, so I would want to see them doing that instead of mm. like personally, it's like I don't think they should be handing that off to like, yeah. a staff member. Yeah, like, the elders are responsible for the members. Yeah, um, and they're responsible for keeping the member roles uh, and dealing with those problems, you know, uh, and uh, praying for and caring for. That's why I do think it is a good thing to have. That was something that was asked um, at a class I was teaching was whether or not the elders had specific people they were assigned to mm. or the church was split up for prayer requests so they were praying over i do think that's a helpful practice mm-hmm. to just have you know this yeah. is the sign and you can always switch it around so like every year you could switch it so that it's not you're not like the same elder yeah although i do think that is a cool idea of like having Continuity. the same elder yeah but then i, I don't want to see factions forming i yeah. think that's something that yeah. churches need to be wary of yeah. Is to make sure that there's not... I'm of Apollos. Yeah. yeah. Our our community group, life group, just uh, is splitting. So our first separated um, meeting will be this week. Mm. And that's something that was uh, a big prayer, a uh, big thing in my heart was like, I really hope this isn't going to create factions mm-hmm. where people are like, I want to go to this group, I want to go to that group. We tried it best yeah. to be like, okay, you were assigned to this one and you're going to this one yeah. based on location. Yeah. So there wasn't that, but it's it's still like it's it can be so quickly of mm-hmm. people brought up like, oh well, ours is a cool group, and I, I'm worried about the other people. I'm like, why do you think ours is a cool group? Mm-hmm. And what's going like? No, we're we're going to invite people from outside mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So we got other people coming in, but it can you know, 
That is yeah. something that we want to be very, very cautious Gosh. of in the church. Yeah, it's like one of the reasons I'm so pro-homeschool mm-hmm. is because that type of attitude, that's where that develops, mm-hmm. is in public or even private uh, mm-hmm. homeschool, or uh, mm-hmm. sorry, high school or, or even middle school, mm-hmm. of like, we're the cool group, we're the, you know, you guys are the theology nerds. Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, you kind of got to grow up. So, yeah, I was never defined and I was never in a group that was defined. So it was hard for me. When people say like, Daniel, what are you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm a guy who likes to hang with a lot of different yeah. kinds of people. Yeah. All right. So uh, when do you want to plant this sucker? When's always a good question. In God's timing. In God's timing. Uh. I don't. Know, I do think it would be really good for us to start, and I don't mean for us like you and me, but just uh, start thinking about well, like a network, getting a network started of supporting and planting churches in the area, partnering, like that kind of idea. That's yeah. something that's in that's near and dear to my heart. I think it's such a beautiful thing to see pastors of uh, churches in in an area get together regularly and meet and spur one another on and talk about issues and mm. um so then you're not quite on your own as on your own as you usually because um pastoring in general is really isolating and i feel like church planting is extraordinarily isolating because it's mm. like it's just you i have a friend who's revitalizing a church in rock village uh, massachusetts and with these things like he, it's him and he and luckily he has the network that he can reach out to because he's part of a network mm-hmm. but if it wasn't it would be him with these issues and who do you get to bounce it off for? Like you can call seminary buddies, I guess. And mm. um, he and I uh, do a call where we uh, work on our Hebrew together. So we're, he's able to bounce it off with me, but it's like, otherwise, what do you have? Yeah. Cause he has an yeah. issue right now where uh, one of the uh, people in this church is pushing really heavily on what they think should be done via the whole pandemic. And that's been a huge drain on mm. him and like, mm. And I think this the toughest thing is just a to lot keep, of pastors to just keep sticking to your guns. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I would want to see start first is a network where church, where churches can work together, like a structure, something organized versus just like, hey, we like this or we want to be endorsed churching, but some kind of structure where we can have mm. like a quarterly meeting of pastors um, to network together. Mm. I might agree i also i think it's helpful like at our church we have a group of pastors that are also friends Mm -hmm. and some family but you know friends and know and love each other and minister to each other really well um i if it was like a denominational thing i'd maybe be more for it but just the idea, I know that if you're saying in Central Florida, I feel like something like this would have to be pretty ecumenical mm-hmm. in order to really work. And I'm like, I would want to prioritize the feeding of our flock. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, it, I want to be also cultivating gifts in my people mm-hmm. such that you know, if one of them has the desire to plant, that they are equipped for it mm-hmm. and that they are commissioned for it and mm-hmm. encouraged and built up and everything. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily be someone who would say, 
oh, we should, um, you know, meet together with this Presbyterian church and this mm-hmm. Assemblies of God church and blah, 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 and, and um, see how we can not even necessarily pool resources, but just mm-hmm. encourage each other, each other. Yeah, I would be against that. Yeah. It would be, I know you're not saying would, that ecumenical, yeah, but it would be. I feel like churches? I feel like what I what I'm wanting to see done would be even more narrow than denominational. Okay, because like, there aren't a lot of yeah. Baptist churches around here. Yeah, that's why this this thing. That's why it's like I think network and maybe even just calling like a church planting network is a thing. Is our is our church that we plant going to have the word Baptist on the sign? I would want it to, cause I, but again, I feel like maybe that scares people away, because I think there are a lot of Baptist churches I'm almost that like themselves something else. good, you know? Mm-hmm. It'll scare away the people who kind of. don't want to be called Baptists. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my clarification on that. Is like, I think it might be better suited to be called that. I, I wouldn't necessarily like exclude it if there was like a church that I think held to a lot of the, like uh, many of the same convictions mm-hmm. or had the same vision of... Uh, or in the same same kind of convictions, I would want I would allow them to join even if they're not like a church that we planted or something like that. But mm-hmm. it would have a very narrow focus. That's what I think networks are helpful because it's a lot narrower of a focus than a denomination, where it's this is the churches that we all you know like very particular Baptist distinctives, kind of all the same convictions of our church. Not all the same, but like uh, a lot of lineup. That's what I would want to have. Mm. want to see happen so for right now it's like there's not really anything that would would come from that but just so, just something that and that's why i'm saying i would want to do that before i planted too before the planting went out because it, it we, we can build a framework of support before that first one even starts mm. so the first meeting is like two people of like one from one church one from the other church that's at least still a framework to go from there and then it's more kind of populate the area or even and it doesn't have to be planting like, it could be revitalizing an existing mm. church. That is not out of the framework of possibilities. There's lots of churches here. It's it's not about mm. getting as many new ones to come about, but as many good ones as we can. Mm. And mm. so we can co- incorporate them as well. But I think that would be a ha- having the framework of support built first is helpful versus mm. going down the road and being like, okay, a couple of churches were planted, a couple of churches were revitalizing. Let's pull these guys together that we sent out. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how that would look because I would want it to not be a top-down because I have seen it where it's a top-down. It's the, the mother church and the lead pastor from them was like the one in charge of these meetings and um, officiating them. I'm like, I would want it to be a little bit more like this is the support structure, but there's not really like a you guys are my grandchildren and I'm caring for you. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. More of like we are all meeting as people who are um, – wanting to grow and strengthen our pastoral ministries. That's that's the way I would envision it. So maybe there's a lot of kinks to work out with it, absolutely. But I think that's something that I've, that I've seen done that is incredibly valuable. And mm-hmm. I think just a sweet time um, to be able to have other pastors that you can meet with. Mm-hmm. So then you're not just like you and your own isolated problems. Like You can get out of your own head. Because I do think it is really helpful for pastors to have other pastors to challenge and encourage and um, equip uh, or not equipped, but challenge and encourage, keep accountable, all those things. Mm. It's helpful to have other pastoral voices who know what you're going through and who know what it means to pastor church. Because you really can't get that from, you know, the flock that you're in as much as you want to. But it's like, but how many mm. in the church know what it means to pastor a flock? Mm. Um, we might be unusual because we have other 
um, like retired pastors. Mm. But for the most part, most churches, like no one in there is sitting there going, hey, I know what it's like to be up there every Sunday with a message to deliver. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that'd be unusual. But yeah, so that's something that I think I would want to see happen. Um, some kind of initiative to support church planting and develop mm. uh, even just to be cool resources like you were talking about with the old Jehovah Witnesses like <laughs> to have a, a support yeah. a supportive thing to be like say like hey our building like, like share a like, building yeah what yeah. if a church what if we what if there was a church that was planted like two years from now and then six or seven years down the road that church has grown and they've got a building and now they're talking about another church plant that that a group wants to start um in a like let's say like up in Davenport or something they want to start something yeah. up there um but for right now they have a group of bible study that's growing and growing and they need to meet and like well this church is you know winter garden it's not close to Davenport but it's close enough that you can start meeting mm -hmm. there until mm -hmm. you can get a building and um, renting yeah like for pretty cheap but then you're still helping yeah. them with their expenses you're part you know? of that network so then you can be extraordinarily generous to be mm -hmm. like hey we want to support you and we want to help you and we've got this pillar we got this resource yeah, for you. like yeah. i mean i think i think so much so much uh there i think i feel like there's a lot of opportunity where pastors of churches that are seeing eye to eye in the in in how um in their in their vision i can't think of a better word for that but just that are in the <laughs> same they're same in their, their convictions for ministry mm -hmm. and they have ability to help one another they just don't know the problems are there they don't know mm. like oh hey we've got this just sitting there and this church needs that or like like even something simple as like, uh, you know, we have a, a lawnmower that sits in storage for most of the year and they need this field mm. cut. Like we could honestly just be like, hey, take this, you, you know, yeah. and we'll help bring it out to you. Like things like that. I feel like um, we could, the churches could be helping each other a lot more than they, than they are just because we don't communicate very well. Yeah. So I think that would be I mean, we're cool. also not part of a very large or adept denomination you know like we're part of a denomination but it's pretty mm -hmm. low-key mm -hmm. and sparse so but yeah i like the idea of keeping it local in that sense mm -hmm. and especially Is like if, if our church yeah. planted three or four more churches over the next 10 20 years you could expect that you yeah. know and i think i think denominations are and conventions are helpful they're big picture like way over everything mm. they're even at the best of times in the most organized conventions, like they don't touch local mm -hmm. churches much. Um, they're more called in. Yeah. So that's why I think like local networks is an awesome thing. And I think it, it's, it kind of has come up because as the world's getting more global, we're starting to realize how local community is really important. Mm. We're starting to realize like how much is missing when we're not mm. focusing on just the surrounding area. So, so intentional elders church discipline mm -hmm. biblical theology very long sunday services mm -hmm. and transparent budget Let's meaningful membership we didn't get to talk about that as, as much oh uh, yeah we, we, we do, talked we, about the, it a little church, bit the but church yeah, discipline it, piece, it would have been nice to i, I put the church discipline piece along yeah. with the meaningful membership piece yeah i mean because there's something at stake there's something to lose yeah uh so yeah I that's think, our pitch i think that's, that's our church coming to yeah. east kissimmee in spring of 2024 there you go i'm calling it i and i feel like yeah i feel like that's those are the main distinctives i would want to see i'm trying to think i don't think that there's anything else i would want to yeah 
Oh, uh, I have a lot of opinions on Deacons, but other than that, yeah, because I do, I do want to see that as a church office with its own unique roles mm-hmm. given to it. I'm not gonna start a whole on which thing, we but... used to kind of do, but now because Deacons so are because I don't see Deacons personally as just servants of the church. I see Deacons as leader servants of the church. So they're not just doing the grueling task. They're they organizing. They're organizing, they're organizing, and deacons um, delegate. Hmm. So that's something that we all oftentimes forget. Is deacons are not just the ones that are going in there and filling up things. They're the ones being like, okay, we got to get this, we need to get that. Yeah. Um, I can think of pe- a few people at our church that are extraordinarily like exemplify that. Of mm-hmm. they're in the trenches, but they're also like, we got people over here. Got people. I, I think yeah. about it. This is terrible like i don't know a ton about military but i know about it because of band of brothers but i think about it like <laughs> the sergeants yeah like they are they are men on the ground but they are a leadership position to move troops and yeah do strategic stuff around so that's that's something that i would add to the list is um because you get you get and good powerful deacons, you need like, to train them too yeah training your deacons yeah all right, right. 2024 20, it. it's coming maybe Sounds good. Okie dokie. See you later.